everybody what's going on youtube what's going on uh, max iphone uh, this feels extremely weird you know what i feel like i feel like when you go back into your old fucking primary school it just feels a bit mad so here i am it's been a long time uh, since i've been talking shit uh, we've had this long covid thing going on we've had a few challenges inside of our personalized business lives and today speaking of challenge i am joined by mr heath fucking groves heath fuck that's your middle name <laughs> well, that's your new middle name heath how's it going Spot on, mate. Thank Are you excited? Very much for having me on, mate. I'm really excited to be here. It's gonna My be pleasure. Backing. I'm excited. Uh, just for you guys on YouTube, so you can see. I asked Heath for a bio. I got a three-page fucking essay. <laughs> fucking hell. I feel like I should have a big red pen and a big green pen and taking and crossing. Uh, so Heath, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive straight into this. Um, because we've got a lot that we could talk about. A lot that you've already told me that we're not allowed to talk about because Heath knows about lockdowns before Boris knows about <laughs> lockdowns. That's one thing I know about Heath. He knows a lot of highly confidential shit. <laughs> and I just, the thing is, I don't even know how he knows it, but I'm sure we'll get to that. So Heath, I'm going to dive straight into this. I've highlighted some of the points that I want to discuss today. Let's go back to 2017. Yes, mate. 2017, when you first came across my stuff, my programs, where were you at? 2017, mate. You've gone right in there, haven't you? You've gone right in at the proper one. Now, this is going to be... Uh, Straight for the fucking thorax, mate. Oh, as always. This is probably going to be uh, probably going to be quite enlightening for a few people that end up listening to this and that mm -hmm. know me. 2017, everything was going absolutely amazing. Uh, what we call on and off the field. So, in other words, business was fantastic. Family life, doing really well. Moved into a, uh, a Georgian manor house and everything two years prior. Sorting all that out. Everything's brilliant and all the rest of it. Couldn't have been unhappier, mentally. Couldn't mm. have been unhappier. Um, I didn't know why. Didn't know how. Had no idea. Uh, at that time, I was, you know, just just tipping 40. And I'm, I was literally, like, in the prime of my life, and I did not know. All I knew is that something wasn't right, but I didn't know what was right or what wasn't right, if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm fucking listening to my story, but three years, yeah, three years post my story. Like, unbelievably, I was looking around, looking at stuff and thinking about stuff and... And it was just, it was just insane. And I started to have these other thoughts of nobody understands. <laughs> nobody oh nobody knows. Nobody knows what it's like nobody to be gets me. It. Nobody gets yeah. it. No, you know, that usual type of stuff. No one's even bothered that. Exactly. I feel like shit. And yeah. all the rest of it. And, and I, I'm usually a very positive person. Mm -hmm. I'm usually a very enamored person. And I was like, actually, no. Something's seriously not right here. I need to start having a look at this. Because I don't know what it is and all the rest of it. And then this, then this crazy little dude popped up all over my social media piece about this video, like some cliff or something like that, right? And I started looking at that and I was like, oh my God. Like that, that is exactly, like literally, it was almost verbatim, word for word, what I was going for. It's mad, isn't it? You know, Heath, I was on, I was on radio, uh, BBC radio two weeks ago and they were like, why do you think it's been so popular? Like, why do you think that happened? I said, you know what? I described it from my heart. It wasn't scripted. And I think I said it in a way that I needed it said to me. I said it in a way that I would like to hear it. And I think that's why it resonates with you because you've just described everything looking great from the outside. And you, funny enough, you said it right at the start. This is going to be enlightening for people that know me because those are the people looking from the outside. Correct, mate. 
correct. And now no, nobody knows that I've suffered with elements of mental health mm-hmm. um, throughout my whole life. Because you've got it all, right? Exactly, because I've got it all and I've got it on lock and everybody else looks in and you've got it down. And my, my biggest problem is I, I am very emotive when it comes to feeling for other people. Like I genuinely worry about other people's situations and circumstance more than my own. Mm-hmm. So it's automatically created kind of worrying mentality mm-hmm. where I'm con- I need to be worried and so on and so forth. And sooner or later, that just breaks. Yeah. That bow breaks. Yeah. And when that bow breaks, you're in a very dark place because there's no bottom to that bow. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, be, I, I suppose it's because you think about it, you spend so much time and energy worrying about other people's, uh, who's minding your business? Exactly. Who's minding your shit? Do you know what? I actually see this. I've noticed this right now. I've been on a bit of a rant about this recently. There are so many people criticizing other people's decisions right now like, and they haven't even got their own shit together. Especially me, I'm getting attacked for having a fucking vaccine, right? We'll not get into that. But I had a vaccine and these guys are criticizing me. And I'm like, mate, you can't stay off the fucking nose bag on a weekend. You know what I mean? You're digging me out for, for experiment more body. You're fucking sniffing fucking rat poison every weekend. It's, it's unbelievable the double standards that actually exist. It's fucking like, mad, and, isn't it? And this whole thing to me is, this has been brought on by things like social media. Yeah, Now yeah. the reality is when you... Right, and, and here's a scenario. Right, what you need to understand is that everybody has that inner personality, that inner person of who they really genuinely yeah. are. And what you've got to understand is there's a lot of people there at one or two o'clock in the morning. They're really angry. They're upset. They're, they're down. Now, all of a sudden, Zuckerberg made it really easy to put... For them to be a brave. Nice little, yeah, a nice little one-handed monster where they're actually just looking at their little phone and scrolling. Mm-hmm. They don't realise that's public. So all of a sudden, all these nasty little comments they're making, they think it's personal. Yeah. It's not personal, it's public. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you've got people that are realising what their personalities are really like, yeah. and they don't like looking in that mirror. No, well, a lot of them replies, I'll sometimes reply to some of them, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but sometimes I'm human, I'll be like, fuck off. And then they actually forget that they've made the comment. Oh, mate, yeah. They do. you know what I mean? Or yeah. the shit they're pants. And, and you know what? I've actually had a bit of abuse for sharing what people have posted. I'm like, hang on a second. People are like, why are you sharing that? I'm like, well, he's posting it on a public profile. Yeah. Public. He's posted it on my public profile. Yeah. So he clearly hasn't got a problem with it being public. Reality is, man, chat shit, get banged. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, isn't it? You know what I mean? Sometimes. And that's it, because they sit there, lur- I call them the lurkers, they sit yeah. there lurking, and you're like, actually, that is the biggest erosion on society that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's a genuine, honest question for you and the listeners, right? What news channel do you subscribe to? Now, if you ask that question, the majority of people, first thing, oh, Facebook. Mm. Facebook is not a news outlet. Mm. Instagram is not a news outlet. It's social media. Mm. If you are not looking at normalised news outlets and yeah. corrective journalism, yeah. you're not getting a balanced view. Now, yeah. I'm not saying corrective journalism is yeah. perfect, yeah. right? What I'm saying is, actually, they're not news outlets. Those yeah. news outlets are governed. Yeah. The fact that you have to have a COVID safety centre on Facebook tells oh. you everything do, you need to you know. Do you know Instagram's okay. mad for that? Every time I post something, or even if I reply to a question, it's like, oh, same as your post involved information about COVID-19, we'll put a health warning or anything. I'm like, really? Thank you. It's, it's <laughs> you've got the head doctor of the whole country, Chris Whitty, sat there telling you something, right? And then you've got some dude that drives a van in Cleethorpe saying, oh, no, you just take vitamin D, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry, pal. I know you've got an opinion, right? But I'm going to wait that yeah. opinion and I'm going to listen to the yeah. experts. Oh, but big farmer, but they've got an agenda. I'm like, <laughs> they're trying to control her. I'm like, oh, they're, oh, they're that smart. Are they, what do they get from it? They don't get anything from it. Still, it's still Kel Surprise. This company that makes drugs is going to make money from making drugs. Well, well, yeah, that's kind of the thing. 
You know what I mean? They're going to have to That's do why that, you but... don't get your Coke for free, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you... I mean, you might get three for a hundred, but <laughs> you might get three bags for a hundred, but you're not getting a fucking... You're not getting a sniff for free around these times, man. Anyway, mate, let's go That's back to 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either. <gasps> let's go back to 2017, mate. Yes, mate. So, so yeah. what do you think it was? Well, what do I think it yeah, was? What I think it was then, or what do I Yeah, think what do you think now? you were lacking? Like, yeah, now let's look at now. What do you look at now? Looking back, what do you think you were missing? It was a complete lack of direction. Yeah, um, I thought I was mentally tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the brain is a muscle, right? And it's like anything. Like I'm a kickboxer, and mm-hmm. and if you do too much skipping, your calf muscle's going to go. All oh, right, well I've got to set four weeks off. Oh, skipping. Yeah, Max, bo- yeah. my son started boxing and he fucking hates it. He's trying to do this. Do you know where they cross it over yeah. like that, mate? Me, you can't even do 10 skips. Never mind do that. He's like, oh, that is boring. Cross over and a he, wants, he wants to do the tricks before he starts to do that. Yeah. Oh, mate. But yeah, the, and it's, um, I, I think I was mentally tired. Mm. I was down, I was drained, and a lot of negative things happened at the same time. Now, here's the thing. If you're a positive person mm-hmm. and you concentrate on other people and you make them your priority to help them and make them right, what you end up doing is being that conduit or negativity. Mm. So you're, every person you speak to in any day like wants help, exactly, yeah. like a martyr. So all your day is then filled with just constant negativity. And if those negativity, if those situations get higher, bigger, harder, faster, mm. stronger, all of a sudden you're getting hit with waves of it. Yeah, man. And you've only got so much. And at the end, I think I think I just broke. Well, yeah. I don't think. I know. Yeah. Do I you know? Broke. Do you know, yeah. mate? I love this because I talk about negative people a lot. And I'm like, do you know what? I don't always subscribe to the negative people thing. I'm like, I can't, you can't avoid people forever. And what I know is that people like to complain. I talk about it on my live show. But I also think that there is going to be a limit to that. Like, what's happened there is you're in an environment where there's a lot of negativity. And environment, for me, will always trump willpower. Like, you can, I can go in a negative situation and be okay with it. But I'm sure if you stuck me in there for days and weeks at a time, I'm sure it would impact on me. No matter how much I said, ah, oh, there's no such thing as negative people. Oh, I've got a lot of empathy. I've got a lot of compassion. It's like if you put me in a room full of 11 smackheads, I'd do great for months. But due to this law of conformity and willpower has an expiry date, always. Motivation has an expiry date. I would end up a smackhead. I've got no doubt. Just as, you know the deal, mate. You surround yourself with successful people. There's only an, there's a certain amount of time. And there's only a, a set period of time before you are actually just going to start copying their behavior. Correct. Yeah. That's where you need to level up. But the reality is, there's one thing I like to turn that up with. Mm-hmm. Darkness travels faster than light. Mm. And when you're with a dark set of people, when you're around negative, they yeah. will get you. Don't yeah. you worry, because darkness is the slyest thing on the face of the earth. Mm. You can be the biggest beacon. You can't you see it coming. You can't. <laughs> they'll, they'll get in that little crack. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll make it seem feasible for you to join the dark side in whatever yeah. you do. Man, you know, I think, that, I think or sometimes though, that these people are, I'm not sure they purposefully do it. I think they're just, that's their way of trying to feel better. You know what I'm saying? This is what I realized with a lot of people, and, and I was talking to someone about this this morning, I said, well, how do I deal with negative work colleagues? I'm like, well, don't, like, because you're trying to change them. Like, it's surely it's easier. If you're constantly trying to change people, trust me, as someone that's coached thousands of people now, like, trying to change everybody is hard. What's easier is changing my perception of them. Yeah. But yeah, it's a hard environment now. So 2017, what happened? Yeah, I keep, yeah. We keep jumping so, on, we get too excited, man. So 2017, there was, there was loads of other stuff going on, and blah, 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 blah. I ended up going to a business awards. Mm-hmm. Um, I was up for businessman of the year. Come on. Year, you know what I mean? And all the rest of it. This is my second year running. Um, and I don't know why. It was a massive triggerance of events there. There was loads of people there and all the rest of it. And they come in to say the names and all the people that are going to be in there. And it was a quite a large prestigious do. Um, 
essentially. And then what happened is when they come to say my name as one of the people, they were like, mm-hmm. it's called somebody completely different. Not even the right company. And I was just stood there, I was looking at it, and I thought... We might close up, let's go. Thank I you. Thought, is that, I thought, is that just... Uh, I thought, is th- what? Is, is, is that a mistake or is that mm-hmm. just a thing? And I don't know why, but there was a lot of accumulative events, a lot of stress, a lot of strain in the business and all the rest of it at that time. And at that point, for some strange reason, I just snapped. I just popped. Literally, when I say popped, I didn't go running around with a machete. I just went completely withdrawn into myself. Mm. Got back that night, and Kelly was like, what's wrong with you? Are you all right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, pretty fucking far from okay, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and that, and she said, like, she, you're worrying me now. Well, like, bearing in mind, me and my wife have been married 21 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's the love of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, and it was the first time I saw that look in her eyes, and she was like, there's something seriously wrong here. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, so I said nothing for a day or two and all this, it just seemed to get worse. Like I didn't want to get out of bed and so on and so forth. She said, right, I am phoning the doctors for you right now and you are going to the doctors and you are talking to somebody right now and I don't know what's going on, I don't know why. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And at that point I was like, she's, she's right, I don't know. I need medical professional help. I need, some t- I need somebody to actually tell me what's going on. Went to the doctors and the doctor said, we heard this thing called depression. And I was like... Oh no! Like, oh, I've heard of it. Of course, I mean, that don't happen to me. I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Fucking bulletproof. I do, yeah. I'm not that yeah. guy. Doesn't happen to me. Fucking successful and guy. Said, what have I got to be yeah, depressed exactly. about? And she said, and that's exactly what I said. She said, do you think there might be these elements where actually you've you've, you've bitten off more than you can chew? And she mm-hmm. said that to me, and that triggered me in the office. I'm like, what do you mean you've you've bitten off more than you can chew? I don't bite off more than I can chew. I do what I say. I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I nail this all the time. She said, well, mm-hmm. maybe do you think this time in this period of your life you've Get a bit older, and I was like, oh, I was glorious. <laughs> I was like, what? Taking what? everything personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Then this, that, and the other. And she said, do you, do you think maybe you need to speak to somebody and all the rest of it? And I said, right, well, I'll try and this type of stuff, but as you can probably see, I'm not the type of guy that speaks to somebody. So I look at it, she said, well, I think you know, I need to start looking at some type of therapy and all the rest of it. And I said, there's this guy called Paul Mark kicking about, and this, that, and the other. I might give that a try. I'll have a look at that and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I started lurking. <laughs> properly in the DMs going, what's all this about? I don't need this type of help. They started mentioning about depression and anxiety and yeah. all the rest of it. And I was like, yeah. in there, I was like, <laughs> sniffing around. It's, like, it's, 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 it's a strange old thing, isn't it? It is. And I was yeah. like, right, actually. And does, this mean I'm, does, this mean a, does this mean I'm admitting that something's wrong? Does this mean, me, is this me admitting that I need help? Is this... Exactly. exactly. Am I weak because I'm asking another man <laughs> to help me? It's a so strange dynamic. I get it. It is unbelievable. And when, when you're on that other side and... You, you get the feeling in the top of your shoulders and you're like, I don't need any of this. And you've got this little devil on your right hand shoulder going, you do not need any of that. And the other one stood on this side saying, you seriously need to talk mm-hmm. to this dude. You seriously need to go and have this conversation. Because I think sometimes it's our ego, Heath. Oh, yeah. I think it is too. Oh, yeah. I think it is too. I think ego's responsible for a lot of things. I think men especially. Actually, I get asked the question a lot. Why do you only coach men? I was like, well, I don't anymore. I've started coaching women this year, but also what's the difference between between coaching men and women? I said, well, women are more likely to ask for help, uh, usually in uh, a lot of words. (laughs) It's a little bit, there's a a lot that comes with it. But then men, when things get a bit challenged for them, they need help. They tend to just hide a little bit. That ego doesn't often allow them to ask for help enough. And I get asked, I get actually accused of having an ego a lot of the time. I'm like, well, actually, I'm the opposite because I've got no problem asking for help and no problem admitting I'm wrong. I said, what I have is a lot of confidence. Don't get confidence confused with ego because they're two completely separate things. Ego's to keep you safe. Confidence is um, you knowing who you are and what you're about. I've got a lot of that. But my ego challenges me sometimes as well. 
the ego, I find the ego is the one that rises in you when you get triggered. So if somebody says something mm -hmm. that tweaks your ego, you go, mm -hmm. yeah, wants to protect you. Yeah, you can keep a lid on that. Yeah. Confidence, I find, is that thing that comes out your mouth when you don't really know what you're doing, but if you say it confidently anyway, you're going to nail it. Yeah. Fuck it, yeah, we're going to do this. Bang, yeah. we're on it. Yeah. That's, the, that's the difference. And when, you, when I feel that, when I feel that mm -hmm. rise, I think somebody's triggered me. They triggered me for a reason, mm -hmm. right? That's the reason I need to be looking at, not with this feeling inside, and this certainly goes back down. Yes. It's, um, it's something I got from a book called The Chimp Paradox that mm -hmm. Kelly made me read. Kelly mm -hmm. made me read The Chimp. Have you Steve read Peters, chimp? yeah. Yeah, Steve Peters, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And my, my chimp is in a, for those that don't know, it's about, um, it's about everybody having this little internal chimp that sits in a cage that when you let him out and he runs around, he literally causes absolute chaos, mm -hmm. right? Highly recommend you read that. I never put mine back. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, dude, you, you have a nice time. I, I've, I've I'm not going to keep fighting with you. Just <laughs> exactly. keep, you, do your yeah. thing. I've, I've got a mental image of mine. It's called Henry. Right? And Henry? Henry, yeah. And he sits there in a nice uh, in a nice velvet overcoat with a cigar and a brandy. Oh, like smoking jacket. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. nice little, yeah, like nice yeah. little smoking jacket. But like he has a pocket watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a cravat. It absolutely <laughs> does. Absolutely <laughs> does. And uh, every now and then he leaps out. And then when I feel the ego come yeah. up, I, I have this vision of, Henry's stood up and he's trying to open the cage, put Henry back in. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why Henry's getting out. Mm -hmm. He's not. He's going back in, and you're going to analyse this. Yeah. Someone's poking him. Exactly. Why? Why is that triggering you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and that helps you get down. Sometimes I think, I was thinking this yesterday. I was thinking, do you know what? Someone dig me yesterday. I'm like, do you know what? You might be right. It's an interesting thing. What if he's right? What if they're right? You know what I mean? It's a really interesting thing to look at that. I think that's when you know your ego's starting to dissolve. I'm like, well, do you know what? You might be right. <laughs> And, that, and that's the power of it, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that, that's that whole piece. Now, now is the is the issue with fake news and things like that. Now, everybody thinks fake news is in is in the news and all yeah. the rest of it. It's actually in your normal life because fake news and the anatomy of fake news is it's basically built up of ninety five percent truth, mm -hmm. but they hide the five percent that actually flips it all on its head. And you get that in your you get that in your daily life. So, for instance, people levy an accusation at you, and the public come in and go. Oh, you're an arrogant dick. Yeah. You're like, yeah, he is an arrogant dick and all yeah. the rest of it. However, it is that arrogance that exudes his confidence that puts him over the edge. So are they right? Well, 60%. I'm usually like, right. I'm, I'm usually like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, thank you for no I'm just and glad you've noticed me. I'm just glad you've noticed. Out. Someone said it someone sent me yesterday, I posted something about being like there's a lot of things that you can beat me at, but one of them isn't consistency. Beat me at anything you want, but not consistency. Yeah. And uh, someone, oh, you've got a massive ego. I'm like, mate, I'm, I'm glad you've noticed. If you had my consistency, you'd have a massive ego too. <laughs> and, and, and rightly so, mate. Rightly so, you don't, you don't know who's watching. And nah. I was, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been looking at everything from 2017. I was lucky enough to watch the Daily Diesel. Uh, well, listen to the Daily Diesel. Diesel. Yeah. That's how I got hooked, and I got hooked way on the Daily Diesel. And you, and you made an announcement that you weren't doing any more of them. Yeah. I was straight into your DMs. I was fucking furious. I was like, who, I was like, how dare you stop this? This is like my, this is like my personal coaching to this. And then, then you sent a text back saying, well, maybe you should join one of the programs. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, he's got it, he's got it. I was like, is it? You cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> man, that is so fucking cool. Oh, so, yeah. Man, I fucking love that. That's so fucking cool. Uh, so, do you know what? I was just thinking about there, actually. Do you know what, right? I think, and I think about this with my kids all the time, particularly Nina. I'm like, do you know what? At some point, I think we were all confident kids. And I think at some point, we've had it laughed out of us or just, like, stop showing off out of us. Do you know what I'm saying? The, the weight of expectation in life has battered us. Yeah. I'm, when Nina's performing and that, I have to... And it's funny, like when she's doing performing, I'm like, I'm not going to stop having doing that. Like, I'm not going to say, stop trying to be the center of attention. I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm trying to try my best to do that. I just, because I think we just, as kids, we get suppressed and suppressed and suppressed and suppressed. 
it's let, a, it's let a, that spirit come out. Aye, it's really difficult not similar. to get put in its box, isn't it? Exactly. I've got something similar with my daughter, Eden, and she is very spirited. Mm-hmm. And when we have the parents' evening and all yeah. that. So my daughter looks like my wife, mm-hmm. but acts like me. My okay. son looks like me, but acts like my wife. Oh, this is it's this is odd. exactly the same as my kid. Yeah, uh, Max looks like me, Nina looks like Leslie, but Nina's got my... The flair. This. And everything. Yeah. And, and when we go to... Sass. <laughs> They, they'll be saying, oh, Eden's very spirited. And I'm like, good, good. Mm-hmm. And you can see the teacher going. Yeah. Nina knows what you want. Nina knows what she wants, I guess. Nina knows what she wants. No, we don't, we don't want sheep. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're breeding lions here. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, not, we're, not, we're not breeding sheep, we're breeding lions. Yeah. And, and that's what we're doing. And yeah. it's like, well, this person thinks this of this person. What somebody thinks of them mm-hmm. is none of their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let yeah. them go forwards. But yeah, the weight of expectation on them now, and especially with social media and everything, it's absolutely rife. Can you imagine? Like, here's here's an here's an honest question for you, right? You grew up about the same timeline as me and all the rest of it. You didn't have mobile phones with cameras on in school, secondary school. No, mate. I, when I was mate, when I was seventeen, I met Leslie when I was seventeen, eighteen, like nineteen ninety eight. I used to have to ring a house. <laughs> if I wanted to talk, I had to ring a landline, yeah. and a dad would pick up the phone and I'd say, "Is Leslie there?" And he'd be like, "Who's this? Who's this? My name's Paul." <laughs> Honestly, all the time, but I bring her. And I, the thing is, I was so embarrassed because I was still 17, 18. I didn't have these big balls and I wasn't very confident. When I was 17 or 18, believe it or not, I used to have to go to a payphone. My kids, are, every time I walk past one of my son, do you know what that is? <laughs> That's how I used to speak to your mom. Right. I used to send her smoke signals as well. Heath, talking about kids, I'm going to go straight in. I didn't know this about you, uh-huh. um, but let's go back to your um, childhood, 1987. Yes, mate. Your dad dying. Yeah. Yeah, you found the body. What was that? I can imagine oh. that being uh, that, that that was that's probably the single largest event and the catalyst for everything that came afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my dad and my mum had a very large age gap. I mm-hmm. think it was around about forty years. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and back in eighty seven, my dad was sixty four. Mm-hmm. My dad used to always take me to school and and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and I was downstairs, mm-hmm. and every now, every other day, well, every now and then, not every other day, if any school boards listening, <laughs> every now and then, we'd have the occasional day off because my yeah. dad used to deliver detergent door to door in the evenings, and he had a larder, one of the old larders. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, 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 we delivered we, detergent. That's yes, mad. It's great, isn't it? Great. Um, and and every now and then he'd let me have a day off, mm-hmm. and I'd wash the car every morning, do this, that, the other, and I was asleep mm-hmm. in the chair, and I woke up and it was half past eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're having a day off magic so i went upstairs to the toilet mm-hmm. and then i went into my bedroom and my bedroom backs out onto the back garden mm-hmm. and that's when i went out and i saw his body mm-hmm. and at that point i didn't know it was i was like how's my dad doing that mm-hmm. and then i was like hold on something's not right here so i knocked on the window nothing happened I went running downstairs run outside and i went to get it and it's there when i saw he was literally he was face down like properly like face down yeah. uh it turns out that he was dead before he even hit the floor um face down and I could see blood down the side of his face and what happened is as, he, as he'd gone face down he'd hit the rockery mm-hmm. on the side and I saw it and I started to shake him start, tried to move and he was yeah. just like a level of weight I have never um, experienced before and I think that's why I, I practice living except, lifting he- exceptionally heavy weights um, like I, I lift a lot heavier than I look um, and I don't know why something just triggers me when I'm doing it and I mm-hmm. think it's that mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything so I got up ran out the house ran next to the neighbour jumped in I was screaming at this point mm-hmm. uh, she was called Maureen and I said, Morning, where is dad? What's wrong? I said, I don't know. He's outside and all that And I was, I was pacing around her living room. She shot out and went into the house. Mm-hmm. I was pacing around the living room and I was like, Phew. You know what I mean? Like, I she's going to come in. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. And she comes charging back in and she was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. 
come here. And she got hold of me and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know what to do. And then other people started to come out on the police. My mum come back because my mum was actually a cleaner at the school. Mm-hmm. And the school was only 400 metres up the road. And that's why I ended up going to school. Yeah. And I remember her coming back in and, sh- and Maureen just told her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just collapsed. And yeah. I just remember the ambulance crew taking it out like with uh, a sheet of... It's quite a lot for an eight-year-old, that. Unbelievable, mate. Uh, uh, absolutely, it's the most devastating singular thing you can ever go through in life. Mm-hmm. The loss of a loved one, the finding of the loved one, mm-hmm. the not being able to do anything with a loved one. Mm-hmm. What, what made it very hard? And at an age where it's very difficult to process. Exactly, mate, exactly. So my, my dad had been married twice before my mum, and they never had any children all the way through, so he's 64. Yeah. So I was his first child. Yeah. So he spent a lot of time with me. Old school things like kite flying and all the rest of it. My dad was my world. He yeah. Absolutely anything. There was, n- in my life, and I know now looking back, we lived in a two up, two down, and it was a beautiful life in there. And I know that we didn't have much, mm-hmm. but what we had was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. That just ended. That just fucking ended. Really? Just gone. Like, literally. Because now there's just your mum. Now it's just my mum. Bear in mind, she's young. Yeah. She's going to struggle to cope yeah. around it. Um, I'm an only child. I spent all my time with my dad, not with my friends. Mm-hmm. Didn't have many of them. Yeah. Uh, now you become a target. Yeah. And that that that's a fucking big thing. Yeah. Um, and now you're out on the periphery. Yeah. You know, and at that point you don't know what to deal with, you don't know how to do it. And looking back now, I never actually grieved properly for my father mm-hmm. either until I met Kelly. We're out in Germany. Well, I suppose you wouldn't know You don't know how. Nah. You don't know how. And it was Kelly that actually sat down and said, You need to grieve for your father. You Mate, it's mad, I hadn't really experienced death. Till I was 21, one of my friends died in a car crash. And then I'd never experienced, this is mad, never experienced the death of anyone close to me until this year. Again, I've only been to two funerals in my life. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Someone say it was luck. It's just mad. 21 years old, I lost a friend. And last, this year, end of January, I lost a friend as well. Only ever been to those two funerals. A couple of friends, parents and that. But in terms of close people, only those two. It's insane, yeah. isn't it? Really so is. I don't know, uh, when people ask me about grief, I'm like, I can't give you advice on that because I don't have any experience other than it's normal. Yeah. Like, experiencing grief's normal. People think they either shouldn't be doing it or they're feeling sorry for themselves. And I'm like, listen, you just got to do what you got to do, I think. You have, mate, you have. And there's, there's, it, like, I, I, I've had considerably more funerals all the way through. Yeah. There's been a pattern of serious um, male role models that mm-hmm. have left. So I mean, my dad died clearly, and that, mm-hmm. that shaped him. And what happened then, then, was there a lot of, I, I think I read in here that there was some level of poverty then. Yeah, we were very, very poor. Yeah. And clearly, my, my dad delivered detergent, but that's yeah. kind of like a part-time job. My mum yeah. cleaned school, so she had yes. to give that up and all the rest yes. of it. Um, when I literally say we didn't have two pennies to rub together, we literally didn't And there probably wasn't benefits. That not like it is today. I'm not on the scale that it is today. Yeah. And, and, and when, you're, when you're back in there, bearing in mind this is in northern England, this is, this is like really impoverished type areas. Mm-hmm. You're going to school in hand-me-downs. You know, because people are just trying to make things work. Mum's trying to struggle to put food on the table and everything yeah. else that goes with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a struggle to wash your clothes and so on and so forth. So mm. you do become that target. Um, you're the <laughs> you're the smelly poor kid and this, that and the other. You know, you're, you're the reclusive one and, and, and all that. And mm-hmm. pe- when What I've noticed is that when you have a tragedy like that when you're young, people are they're very, they're, they're, they're very nice towards you mm-hmm. for a finite period of time and that yeah. fucking wears off real quick. Yeah. Wears off inside three to six months. After that, yeah. you are just that target that forms. Yeah. So we're exceptionally poor. Uh, Mum married again. Um, they did the best with what they could. You know what I mean? And, and so on and so forth. But you're trapped in that poverty cycle at that point, And it was just absolutely crazy. And then mm-hmm. we get to secondary school and shit just got a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I had 
you know, you, you look for those role models or what to do and all the rest of it. And I remember being, I think I was, I think it was about 12, I think it was second year at school, just thinking, I've got to do something here because ain't no one coming to save me. Yeah. No one's coming to save me. Yeah. I'm fucking done here if I don't do something. Yeah. Uh, so I started to take up karate seriously mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And, and that, that changed a few fucking things. Too fucking sweet, mm-hmm. telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And it, it was like, actually started to become quite good at it and, mm-hmm. and started to evolve, started to get better. My body started to physically transform and so on and so forth. Started to put the weight in. Mm-hmm. Sorry, started to get the weight off. Yeah. Started to actually transform with my people, my friends circle. I leveled up. I got, got yeah. a new set of friends and all the rest of it because yeah. I just had the balls to step out my Well, you also club. meet people at these clubs and you exactly. meet people. And, and I think exactly. also, I think something comes, you know, and I think it's about jujitsu as well. Someone asked, what would you do if your kids are getting bullied? I'm like, if my kids get bullied, I'd like to think I'd, like I wouldn't have to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, people would say, how would you deal if your kids got bullied? I'm like, well, it hasn't happened yet, but I'd like to think that I've put them in clubs and I've put them in sessions and I've had them have coaches and I've told them what to do so that I wouldn't have to deal with it. I have no problem with my kid punching another kid in the face because you're not bullying them again. Like, like to me, like that's the same thing, but here's the question for you, Paul. How do you know they're not being bullied? Yeah. The reality is the bullying isn't just physical now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. when you look at them, yeah, I'm That's like, a great actually, question. Yeah. We don't know, so we have to prepare them mentally yeah. and physically. Yeah. And the thing that always frustrates me, certainly with my son at the moment, yeah. is that dude, I can help you. And I mean, I don't. Oh, and they don't like there. talking. Exactly. What do you do at school? Do? Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not going to phone up the school. I'm not going to grass on you. Yeah. And this, that, and the other. Uh, but what I'm going to do is help you with practical advice because yeah. I've been a young man yeah. in that position. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think at some level martial arts means that you don't feel the need to get physical? I I, I feel that as well. I mean, do you know what? I'm, yeah. I'd be comfortable if anything went down. I'd be all right, so I don't have to go looking for it. Best thing it ever did for me is curb my personality. It made me so calm. It was, it was, it's one of those where actually it was great to talk to people where you were treated as yeah. a leveler. It's weird, isn't it? It increased your self-esteem. To the Mate, I've met that. so many incredible people through martial arts. You just don't need to. Like it's mad, and I'm. But <laughs> I get asked about regrets all the time. My only regrets that I ever have is that I didn't start certain things sooner. Do you know what I mean? That's the only regret that I, I don't have any regrets about mistakes or fuck ups that I've made or even people that I've hurt because deep down I know that eventually something positive would have happened as a result of it for me and them, right? Exactly. But I'm also like, the, the, there's only some things, oh, fucking hell, I wish I'd started jujitsu sooner. I'd just be, I might, uh, to be fair, the only thing I'll be different is that I'd be a bit less shit. <laughs> I'd be a bit less shit. But I, that's what I'm trying to, it's, it's, but it's a difficult thing with kids. So do you think then, Heath, that, because I know you're running an incredibly successful business right now, and we'll get round to that, but do you think this period of your life, this poverty, helped you or shaped you into thinking, I'm responsible for this money thing? Yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. It's, it's, the number one, it's the number one catalyst across everything. Listen, no one's coming to save me. And I remember thinking that. No one's coming to save me, and I've got to take care of this shit, mm-hmm. and I've got to handle it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I've we did karate? I did, did karate. Um, started to increase my friend's circle, mm-hmm. started to get more involved with things, started to become more confident, mm-hmm. clearly was started to get the eye of the ladies <laughs> in secondary school and that type of thing. That's where me and Kelly first met. Is it? Yeah, oh, sick. Um, and all yeah. this, we actually went out together at school. Oh, biology, was it? Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 nothing like that. I was just listening. Look, he's looking at the camera. Oh. Can't <laughs> <it? laughs> no. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that was it. And you, you get that, that, that level of confidence and ability. Mm-hmm. And then the weird thing is, School ends. What are you doing now? It's a strange thing, and it is. Do you know what I say to my kids all the time? Because Max is about to go into, into the comp. He's about to go into secondary school, and he let, I was like, mate, you're never going to see some of your friends again. It's mad, isn't it? None of my friends at all, yeah. my oldest friends, I went to school with. Isn't that mad? None of them. 
Isn't that crazy? It's insane. From actually one of one of my closest friends I went to primary school with, but not comp. And I never seen him from primary school until I was about 23. Isn't that mad? <laughs> Isn't it mad that? But none of my friends I went to school with, which my kids think so weird. So they're worried about, oh, Paul, I'm that dad, I want to go to this school, but I'm not going to see him and I want to stay in touch with my friends. We're like, we're like, oh, Max, you want to move to Dubai? He's like, no, I'll never see my friends again and that. I'm like, well, the reality is, once you go into the comp, you're going to get new friends. It's a, it's a strange thing, but when you finish school, it's, 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 it's like a vacuum. It's like, it's like a vacuum. What you're going it to is. Know? Well, I suppose I'll go to college. And here's the irony, right? I went to college. I was going to do that, but I couldn't get in. Oh, you see, I not got, enough GCSEs. Yeah, I, right, I said, this, said this the other week to my son and he just laughed at me. Yeah. So I got 10 GCSEs, five at D, four C's and one B. And he was like, goodbye to death standard. That's not great. No. But then I was like, oh, I've got five at C and above. I'm, yeah. Yes, brilliant. I'm into college. Yeah. So I started college, and this is fantastic. This I started college, right, and I started to do a computing BTEC, right, in IT, right? Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, around BTECs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a BTEC. Yeah. yeah. A, and then as I started doing this BTEC, I got glandular fever, and I had to have three months off. And I went back, and the college lecturer said, listen, you've had too much time off and all the rest of it. You didn't really set the world on fire. I don't really think you'd be great in this IT industry. <laughs> well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's another pop. <laughs> there's another thing that shaped your life then. Like, literally. Yeah. <coughs> So I was like, right, well, thank you. I need to do something now. And and I was just at that point. Bro, should we be wearing masks right now? Just no, saying, no, should no, we be no, wearing no. masks? No, Fuck no, masks. No, 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 no. It's before the actual um, <laughs> restrictions come in. We're not in a shop. We're not on public transport, mate. No. Right. It's 2019. 2019 in Sunderland on shit. <laughs> yeah, I thought I might have to go a bit further back. We're going to get the national winners <laughs> in a minute, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, I almost said the most inappropriate thing I've ever said there. I'm sorry. Yes. So, well, that's right. cool. So, so, looking at things, I need yeah. to do something, you know, what is it? Start to get a job in the mill that my stepdad worked in and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I just thought, I am just... Bullshit. In the mill? Yeah, there's a, there was um, a wool mill called Shit. Queen's. Shit. That's gone now. Yeah. And I worked there for about two or three months. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? This is it now. And it was literally the work home, get your pay packet, go home, go out the weekend, and all the rest of it. And clocking in and clocking out. Clocking in and clocking yeah, out. Yeah, Jesus Actually, Christ. Clocking in yeah, me too. And clocking out. Me too. Clocking out for lunch, clocking back yeah. in when you have lunch. Yeah, good job with good people and all the rest of it. And I just yeah. thought, oh my God. And if I don't do something here, I'm just, I'm going to do nothing but negative stuff in my life. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to do something, didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Right? At that point, my granddad turns around and says, uh, I think you should join the army. I was like, what? He said, yeah, you're good at that karate and jap slapping stuff, ain't you? And I was like, what? And he was like, it was completely inappropriate at the time. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, army, they'll uh, they'll put you in a, um, a tracksuit and you'll do nothing but play sports for them. And I was like, really? I was like, yeah, yeah. Now, my uncle... And you may get shot. Exactly. No, 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 that, that, that's the thing. <laughs> my uncle said the same thing. So he, and he was in the Royal Irish Range at the time, Billy. God bless him. Um, and so my granddad took me over to the uh, the careers office in Burnley. And I said, all right, yeah, I love that. And this guy said to me, he said, yeah, well, one of the downsides is you might get shot. And I was like, what? And I got outside and I said, Grandad, I don't like the sound of getting shot shit. What's that about? And he just started laughing. He went, goes to the territory. So. Yeah. But anyway, big dudes. Because of our mission. Yeah. I, I, I actually went up to Glen Course. And from me going up to Glen Course to pass the basic to actually being in training in uh, Arborfield was seven days. Mum and everybody didn't know what hit them. Mum said, sign this paperwork and all the rest of it. I'm going. Yeah. I've got to do something. Yeah. And like that work, we're like, but what do we like? And I'm like, I'm going. I'm going. And... That was the first <coughs> time I'd ever been on a train in my whole life. And I, s- I remember getting this rail warrant and I 
got this train thing that is like a cabin on wheels. That's what I, I was like, holy shit, what is this? But anyway, I'm a proper yokel. I'm a proper yokel. I'm a like, country bumpkin. I've no idea, right? Sat on this train. I've been there. And um, I'm, I'm on this train. I'm going down. And I was like, what have you done? Oh, my God, what have you done? Mm-hmm. I was like, how do I get from this train station thing to this camp thing? And I got out, and there's a sergeant major stood there with a pace stick. And he, he looked at me and went, you're clearly one of mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he went, get on the bus. And I went, uh, wh- 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 which way is it, mate? And he went, don't you fucking mate me. And I was like, <gasps> shit. Got on the bus. Anyway, big do's, little do's, past basic training, all the rest of it. And I started through life, and it was one of the best things I ever did. Yeah. Um, just completely, like, the military is one of those things where it takes young men. And it absolutely molds them properly into grown adults. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like responsible grown adults. Because mm-hmm. it gives you something that nobody else can give you. It gives you something to hate. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, you are not going to change that big green machine. And that big green machine will not yield. Yeah. So all of your aggression, all your stuff, you've got that perfect conduit. And the mates that are around you, they're the people that will live and die for you, mate. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. And literally, they, they galvanize bonds. All m- I, I talk to more people from basic training than I do from people from school. Because I know f- when the shit hits the fan, they'll be there for me mm. whenever needed. And it, it's a, it was that level of camaraderie that really stepped it up there. Mm. So that, that's where my life took an uptick. So talk to me about, um, I want to fast forward a little bit before we get into how you got there. What the fuck do you do? What I mean, mate, this is mad. I've worked with you since 2017. You're in Elite X. You want to found us Elite X. I've worked with your directors. I've met your wife. And I still don't fucking get what it is your business does. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't really get it. Right. So. That's so you can explain it using only verbal. I'll, I'll explain it. <laughs> no slides, no slide decks. <laughs> I'll, I'll use the interpretive medium of dance. I mean, <laughs> that's not dancing. <laughs> Damn the fucking fit. <laughs> oh, it turned into fucking Mr. Tumble for a second. <laughs> He's so, tumble. So, yeah, what do we do? Well, Sundown Solutions, we're mm. cloud transformation specialist. What's the cloud? Right. Because yeah, I did see that in there. Exactly. And I, I need to ask what this is, because you're smart. Me and Leslie also have arguments about She's like, my phone memory's full. And I'm like, she's like, my phone memory's full. I can't take any more photos. I'm like, just put them on the cloud. And she's like, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So here, here, here's, here's, here's the rub, right? And this is exactly what we do. A cloud is just a term for you to make it acceptable in your own mind to store your information on somebody else's computers. Right. Okay. Go back in time. 20 years ago, you had a computer in an office that's known as on-premises. Mm-hmm. Okay. you store all your stuff on that computer, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. If I come into you and said, actually, you need to store all that stuff on a computer that's in the data center with Microsoft, you'd say, well, no. Normally stuff's private. It's private. Yeah. It's like the other, wouldn't you? Right? Yeah. So this is totally is, off topic. Have you seen Clickbait on Netflix yet? Yes, I have, yeah. That's the first thing you said about someone at someone's computer. I was uh, the first thing that came up was when that woman who was the murderer, spoiler, <laughs> who was the murderer, when she let thingy, who was Vince chasing entourage, I can't remember his name, Adrian Grenier in the show. He's called Nick or something in the show, wasn't he? Nick. When she let Nick have access to the other guy's computer, I was like, how the fuck does she know his password? Like, anyway, anyway <laughs> sorry, right. what do you think of that show? Right. Uh, I, th- I thought it was quite nice. I thought the, the ending was that, the ending, like... the ending in that last episode. I was like, shit, it's her. <laughs> but she was one of the only people who I didn't suspect. Yeah, smiling uh, tiger. Aye, uh, smiling tiger. Aye. Uh, so, yeah. So <laughs> sorry, bro, <laughs> completely off time. It just popped in my head. Yeah, click back Netflix. Yeah. It's fantastic, just in case. I mean, you don't have to watch it now because I've just spoiled it. <laughs> So you have um, 
computers are on premise mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Yeah. And they needed a way for that to become more acceptable for you to store your stuff on here. Now this will come down to business multipliers and I'll explain that later. And, and when you actually understand the whole thing, it locks in really, really nicely. So you have a computer, actually I need you to use my computers. Okay. Internet connection got better and better and better. So actually that became a norm. So the reality is I want your data stored on my computers where you pay me a subscription to store that information <laughs> on that computer. Yeah. Okay. Rather than you having the overhead of paying for this hardware and then you having your own IT ec- technician to look after it, I'll let you use my technicians over here in this data center and so on and so forth. So that whole premise. So it's kind of like when you have those storage facilities where you store, yeah. you can store, st- you know you know what I mean? Those big blue boxes, I think it's called the big blue box. Yes. Where you can store your stuff in a shipping container. Exactly. So just imagine. You just pay a small, sm- small fee for maintenance. Yes. yes. Just imagine them. You have large server racks like that in massive data centers yes. that are owned by the various companies like Microsoft, Amazon, IBM, Oracle. Yeah. They all have these major data centers, mm-hmm. but they need you to use their stuff in order to save it on those servers. And that the, the way that you do that and the way that you put that is, is you have a generic term that people can understand and you say, well, mm-hmm. we'll save it to the cloud, mm-hmm. right? So how do you move your information from your computers to the cloud? Actually, that's what we do. We help you move from your information on computers to the cloud, the various elements of the cloud, whether it be Microsoft's cloud, AWS clouds, IBM's cloud, Oracle's cloud, UK cloud, all of those different clouds we mm-hmm. can move you to, mm-hmm. right? That's why we're a cloud transformation specialist. So when you engage with us, it's like, actually, I've heard of Office 365. How do I get to it? Well, here you go, Paul. I'll put a package together and I'll help your business operate in that cloud effectively. That's exactly what Sundown Solutions does. Okay. Who do you do it for? Some very large customers and some very large clients. Clearly, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into those names, but yeah. some of them are public, some of them are private. Yeah. Um, we work a lot with the NHS. We work with some policing organizations. Yeah. We, so it's so they don't have to store all of this shit on... A fucking PC. Exactly, mate. They don't yeah. have to store it on the PC. It's backed up. It's secure. It's it, it's whatever it is. And and they so you'll have like a large company, say Company A. They've got all their stuff and they need to move it to the cloud. Well, they need somebody to do that moving. Mm-hmm. That's us. They need somebody to set it up for them so their end users can use it. And that's us. Yeah. They need somebody to secure their devices. That's us. And that's what we do. We wrap it together as a nice wrapper. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the game, cloud transformation specialists, that's where people understand exactly what it is that we do. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called Sundown Solutions, not Sundown Problems. How the fuck then did you end up going from being a fucking spotty little fucker in the army <laughs> who used to make wool <laughs> just like, to running this? How big is your company? Uh, now um, it's over 50 people. Um, net value at the moment between 40 and, 50, 40 and 45 million. Mm-hmm. Sick. So doing this in his helicopter <laughs> on his private yard. Yeah, no. that, that's valuation. That's How did you get cash, people? Oh yeah, the valuation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I figured yeah. out that was very different a while ago. Yeah. yeah. What? What was that? How did you? So it, it's it's a very it, it, it's actually quite because the cloud's cheap. fairly new, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So I was in I was in the military up until two thousand and three as a regular. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, two thousand and one, I'd served a tour in Kosovo. Uh, was it two thousand and one? Yeah. And I come back and I said, listen. You have to be careful what you say now when you've been in the military, yeah, don't yeah, you? Because yeah, I've exactly. seen all these, what they're called again? Well, I met these. Yeah, all, 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 the Walt, all the Walts running yeah. around and all the rest of it. Yeah, like, you've got to get your dates right yeah, or some, yeah. some fucker listening in will be no, checking like, up. Yeah. Know, like, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll post the pictures of me like with the red. I seen a big one the other week, which was yeah. which was someone who claimed he was something and he was running like these special forces experiences. 
like fan dances and that, and he was never in the military. Yeah. Now you see that that's completely fine as long as you say you're never in the military. Like you know what I mean? Like I I I, I was in the Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers. Mm-hmm. I'm currently in the Royal Signals. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. we'll get to that later. Uh, as a reservist. Um, now and it's people like oh have you done anything with a special foot? No mm-hmm. mate, no, no. I was in the Royal Electrical Engineers because that's actually a worthwhile thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a special forces. Yeah. I mean, never was. And to be honest, not it's weird, isn't it? Fit it, enough. It is weird that yeah. as well, isn't it? Like like you you have to have been in the special forces to have actually done anything. Yeah, and you're like, it's, a, well, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? You're like, well, actually, how do you think they get there? Yeah, you know, like I was quite useful as well, actually. Yeah, it is um, one of those odd things. So I'd, I'd done a, just a normal tour in Kosovo, a yeah. normal tour. They yeah. Normal one. yeah, it's weird how, how it gets played down, isn't it? it isn't it? Yeah, yeah I just it did is. a normal tour where I got shot at almost yeah. every day. Oh, yeah, I was all right. We were fine. Remy, mate, back in, back in, back in without gear. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, did a tour of Kosovo, come home, and Kelly was like, actually, I want to go and do my nurses' training. Mm-hmm. She's always wanted to be a nurse, and she is very, very good at nursing. So I said, right, mm-hmm. I also don't want to be away from you because I've got married to get married. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm going to start a family in the near future, potentially, so we need to be stable. So I made the decision that we're going to leave. Bearing in mind, I was heavily into IT at the moment, mm-hmm. and I've been building up qualifications. I've been helping um, um, train people in um, education centers and so on and so forth. I became an MCT, Microsoft Certified Trainer, in that time as well. Left the army in 2003. I was going to make an absolute mint because, like, you know, it's come with little so on and so forth. <laughs> straight into the recession in the IT industry. Bang. Straight on my arse. Again. You know what I mean? I come and come out and we were, we, we ended up moving to Accrington a two up, two down. And the house next to us had been burnt out. It's Accrington. Exactly. It's Accrington. No, there's nothing wrong with Aki. Aki's oh, I know. fine. I know. Mate, it is. It is. It's it gets banging. a bit of a bad rep, it isn't does, it? But no, Aki's banging. It gets a, it um, gets a bit of a bad <laughs> rep because of one fucking milk advert. It does. <laughs> Who are they? Yeah. I mean, I've been in that ground a few times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to love it. Yeah. yeah. We're not, they're not going to put a roof on it anytime. Well, so. I said before, it was the first place I ever took my son to an away game to watch Sunderland. He was like, Dad, where's the seats? Dad, there's no roof. I was like, well, son, yeah, this is proper football, yeah. son. Welcome to league, uh, son. Get in, you know. <laughs> proper football. Aye. They can throw a pie at him. Yeah, you, you got to sit on the other you know, barriers. You got to sit on the barriers. Like, Dad, me bum's killing my God. We just have a normal seat. I'm like, there isn't any man. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Joe's mad that day. I think it's a, is it 5,000 or 4,000 seats? Uh, I think it's 4,000. 4,000? 4,000. So this day, there was 3,000 Sunderland fans. Was there? Yeah, they took up three sides of the ground, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's mad, isn't it? Amazing. Yeah, mad it is, bastards. You're right when they come down and you just mad, you fill it in. Mad, mad. Yeah. So, so yeah. move to Accrington, two up, two down. Move to Accrington, two up, two down. Yeah. Um, really, really struggling to find work. Got my um, my first contracting job. I think it was like for a couple of quid. I think it was like nine fifty an hour at mm-hmm. BAE in Barrow in Furness, which was a two hour each way commute, so a four hour commute. Mm-hmm. Barrow in Furness, yeah, I know uh, that Kelly place. Kelly was at uni and she was doing. Um, Four place. She was doing three jobs at one time. She was doing a placements, and then she had two separate uh, healthcare and jobs at two separate things, and so making mm-hmm. ends meet. Uh, and, and that first Christmas, I mean, we were sitting in in Hotwood Street, and we were just uh, it, was, it was crazy. We were just sat there with a Bernard Manning's um, Bernard Manning's turkey breast. Uh, with 83 quid in... Uh, Bernard Manning. Bernard quid. Manning's a comedian, man. Do you mean Bernard uh, Matthews? Ber- <laughs> Bernard Matthews, yeah. We don't want, we don't want one of Bernard Manning's turkey breasts, do we, Jesus? Ah, that's amazing! Yeah. Bernard Matthews, Matthews the breast. one that does the yeah. turkey twizzle, hasn't that, any? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie yeah, Oliver's one. made. That one. It's <laughs> 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 amazing. And minus 83 quid in the bank. You know what I mean? And, and all the rest of it. And I thought, oh, I know what you I mean. I thought, what have we done? Because the year before, we were in the military with all the accommodation and with all of our friends, like all the mess dudes and all the rest of it, absolutely loving life. <laughs> and Kelly was like, what the fuck have we done? 
Yeah. I was like, oh my god! And at that point, I thought I've a lot of people talk about it, being in the military. There's a lot of routine. There's a lot of structure. Oh yeah. And when you go self-employed like that, there isn't any structure. Yeah, you, you don't have any. Make sure you keep your routine though. Yeah. That's the biggest thing you do when people resettle and you turn around and go, no, you keep your routine. Yeah. If you're going running in the morning, go running in the morning. Yeah. If you're in at this time, you at this time. Yeah. Keep that routine. That's the killer. Yeah. So yeah, from there, I thought I need to do something. Managed to get on the ladder, first contracting job. Blah 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 blah. Then started to work as an MVQ assessor for another company and moved up. And then thought, actually, I'm going to start my own training academy. Uh, me and a business partner, um, and we'll, we'll do that. And we started to resettle people out of the forces into civil life. Mm-hmm. Um, quite successful, over over 190 people trained in that period. Mm-hmm. And we were doing really well. Um, so they were coming into civil life. You were training them in yeah, IT. Yeah, we were training them in IT. Yeah. Um, all these products and all the rest of it. It's around this time that we started to start looking at a product called SharePoint. Mm-hmm. And that that's like like a main Microsoft file um, sharing system that's actually online based that goes through to SQL and so on. I'm not going to bore you with the complexities, but that's what we started to look at. Uh, during that time, went to Iraq as well as civilians, because basically we still had security clearance. Yeah, no, 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 we, no, no, no. We still we still had security clearance. Oh, and, okay. Okay. and then actually, you need to rebuild server rooms, don't you? So you smash everything up and you rebuild in the country. You need to build those server rooms up. They need servers. They need communications. Yeah. And the rest of it. Yeah. So NATO had a contract for us to go out there, mm-hmm. and they contacted us and said, "Can you come out and do it?" We went to Iraq mm-hmm. um, and ended up rebuilding some of their server rooms and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And for the military. For the military, but yeah. civilians. Yes. Um, so we were like civilian defense contractors, and while we we're out there, one of the main products we were using was SharePoint again. And I thought, I quite like this. It's all right, this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm liking it. Got back and then did the same again for Kosovo as a civilian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Kelly said, right, that's enough of that shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you keep going here, you keep going here, we left because... Because you were, you, you were being one of them people that you see in movies that could have got snatched. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah As yeah. a civilian in yeah, Iraq yeah, yeah, or Kosovo, yeah. you could have got snatched. Yeah, yeah, number one on the list. Yeah. You know, it was that fat, wobbly dude over there <laughs> with the black hair, because I dyed my hair black to blend in. Oh, really? fucking stand out. Yeah, so all my, all my pictures from Iraq, I'm like, oh, <laughs> God, you'll be the first one. That's it, come here. So it's like, do you want to go over here to the shop? Fucking no. No. <laughs> We're not no, going over there. No shops. Uh, no shops for me. So, yeah. the um, So th- th- that was quite enlightening in those pieces. So I sat down the skill. Recession hit, the, mm-hmm. the second one. Um, that really tore into us, and the first thing to go was training. Yeah. So we had to shut the academy because that's the wise thing. Because actually, you don't just you don't because nobody leaves the forces in the recession. Stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't do that. Left. Blah 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 blah. blah. Started to focus on this thing called SharePoint. Then got called to go for an interview for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, then went down and started to work for Microsoft, um, and that's where uh, I spent four years there as a tier three shift lead mm-hmm. um, on what was called Spodesk, which is basically one of the escalations teams as a site reliability engineer. Right. Really sat down on my skill. Mm-hmm. Really started to really deep dive into the products and everything else about mm-hmm. the cloud and, and and all that type of stuff. Started to understand it at a deeper level, and then got to 2015 and thought, actually, no, we're going to make a go of this. So we left in 2015, uh, and I've looked back since. It's from 2015 onwards, like knowing that people are going to need the cloud. Yeah. And th- there's an old saying, red ocean, blue ocean. Yeah. Right. Red ocean is like a series of, it's like a series of business verticals where it's locked and loaded, like oil. Yeah. No one's making money out of oil apart from the big companies. Blue yeah. ocean is like the new stuff that's coming out. When we left, we were straight to blue ocean of cloud. Oh, brilliant. Now everybody looks at it and uh, as cloud is a red ocean because yeah. you know, the four main players are in there and everybody's lining up. 
Yeah. Well, I've read a book called The Blue Ocean Strategy, funny enough, which is like that red yeah, ocean is where everybody's, it's fucking dog eat dog. Nah. Loads of competition, loads of competitors, loads of people biting each other and that. Yeah. Now I figured out that our demographic is actually a little blue lagoon in the red ocean. Because mm. everybody needs to use this red ocean. Mm. They don't know how to get from the shore. That's like everybody needs a coach. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? So we operate in those little blue lagoons, and, that, and yeah. that's where we've been doing. And that's how we come out 2015. Hammered it from then. All yeah. professional certifications completely leveled. Yeah. Thought, right, in a business, you need three things. You need support, you need products, and you need services. Mm-hmm. Most people do two. They don't do three. That's where we built all three around it, and we just put all of the assurance in place and then built it steadily. Yeah. And we've we've built it as that plan, and we've just won our third Red Rose out of four. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, how are you doing it? You, like, you know what I mean? Well done on the success. And, yeah. and so The reality is, listen, it's took 12 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. It's in the fluke. Yeah. This is on the trajectory. The thing is, it's not even that. It's not even 12 years. It's longer. It is, yeah. Because you've is. got all of them experiences from when you were fucking eight years old. You've got that. You've got the kickboxing thing. So you've got the kickboxing thing, the karate thing. You've got the army thing. So you just... The fact of the matter is, it took 12 years to be an overnight success, but that's only taking into account what's happening inside your business. Correct, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. y- you got to think about this. There's one question that I've got for you. Like, where do you think your business acumen came from? Because there's no history. Your dad's selling detergent. There's no, do you know what I'm saying? Is there any other, other entrepreneurs in your family? Who did you turn to advice? Nobody and nothing. <laughs> and that, and, that, and that, that's been the problem. Well, yeah. well that, that's, been the, that's been the blessing and the curse. Yeah. Now, I, I've had to learn two very important skills mm-hmm. since I've grown up. One is patience. I'm, I was a very impatient person and I've started to understand. Double-edged sword that in it as well, though. Because lack of patience is often the thing that gets shit done. Yes. And gets you to move and gets you going and gets you doing more and more and more. But at the same time, it can also punch you in the bollocks. (laughs) Absolutely. It can explode. You've got to know when it's time for action. Yeah. Action is the only answer, but you've got to know when. Same as this thing, mate, when I talk about overwhelm, um, I I use a question with anybody that suffers from overwhelm. I'm like, ask yourself this question. What will be possible if I give myself a little bit more time? Now, that's such such a great question that can like kind of make overwhelm dissolve a little bit, but it's also a double-edged sword because it could be like, well, am I just using that question to put off what needs doing? It's a real funny thing that. It's like being hard on yourself. Absolutely. Being hard on yourself, same double-edged fucking sword. Yeah, because that, that was it. Patience was the first one. Yeah. I needed to learn that, and it was, um, it was actually Karate that taught me patience. Mm-hmm. Don't always rush in. Yeah, you know, literally, just be patient. Let them make a mistake, and then you can capitalize on that mistake, yeah. and so on and so forth. Well, you don't show for class as a black belt either, do you? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's what people think. Oh, Paul, I'm finding the journaling thing so hard. I mean, of course you are. It's brand new. Yeah. You don't show up the fucking class as a fucking perfect. black belt, do you? Straight out the gate, you know. My first journal, I posted that in the chat with Lee a few yeah. years ago, just so the guys knew. Yeah. Look at what my look at what my goals were. Drink yeah. Two liters of water in a day. <laughs> I you know, I didn't I didn't start you know here. Mm-hmm. I started here, but mm-hmm. I committed to it and yeah. I did what I said I was going to yeah. do. Yeah. You know, that's actually one of our business rules now. Is so it? Yeah, I've stole that off you. Rule do what I said, Ward. Yeah. I'm going to do. That's I think it. I stole it from somewhere else anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm not reinventing the fucking wheels. You know what I mean? Exactly. We're in a big we're in a big circle <laughs> there. So the first one was patience, yeah. right? That, that was my first skill that I learned. And the second one is listening. Yeah. Bearing in mind, I didn't know anything like this. So I started to listen. And I always listen to everybody, but I always wait their opinion. And that's a different thing. If this person's an epidemiologist, I'm going to listen to him. If he's a van driver, I'm not going to listen to him. If I'm learning how to drive vans, I'm going to listen to him. I'm not going to listen to the epidemiologist. You see what I mean? So it was that listening and that patience. And I started to learn and, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's where the acumen started to come from. Because mm. you've got to understand there's an emotional element in there. Everybody that says something, that is only their perspective. You know what I mean? It, like the Marcus Aurelius quote, you know what I mean? Everything, 
everything you hear mm-hmm. uh, sorry everything you hear is uh, is a perspective everything mm-hmm. that you see is somebody else's mm-hmm. version you know all mm-hmm. that type of not stuff. the truth not the truth it's their truth exactly it's their, just truth. their truth that, that, that they're coming through you've got to pick between the lines and understand their motivations mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and 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 that's that that's a big part of it and that's where the acumen started to come from and then to be honest i'm, I'm a big fan of reading mm-hmm. the rules so when i started with the business acumen first thing i did is you go and read hmrc's website and find out the rules <laughs> that's <dude. laughs> you know what i mean i'm not exactly you know what i mean you know, fuck that yeah. i'm letting someone else read that go to your regulator and find out the rules read yeah. the rules yeah. Go to this place and find out the rules of, of this and what you can and can't do, and then you'll find that you can operate within those rules and you can square very close to the line mm. and be completely legal and actually get a much bigger march on anybody else that's actually in your space. Mm. So understanding the rules and then also understanding your competitors were a big thing, but this was all about observation and then around the acumen piece. And I the competitors thing is a really interesting thing, you know, because... Uh, I get asked a lot, particularly on Instagram, like, who are your competitors? I'm like, I'm like, I'm almost like, it's a bit ignorant. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not watching me competitors. I, Do you know what I mean? But I also think there's there's something to be said about knowing what they are not doing or what they are doing well that you could model. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm sure. I'm again. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm always learning from people. I've learned. So in fact, someone had to go at me yesterday because I made a post. Like oh, straight out of Mark Manson's book. That just copied off Mark Manson. I'm like, actually, I didn't. I got that from Dr. John D. Martini. <laughs> I didn't copy it off Mark Manson. I copied it off John Jim. What am I supposed to do? Learn something and not share it with people? He's like, no, well, he got it off Mark Manson. Well, actually, Martini has been doing this shit for fucking 40 years, mate. I think Mark Manson might have got it off him. It's a really interesting thing, that, though. Like, I'm always like that. With I'm like, I'm not going to spend loads of time on them. But the thing is, on my programs, I'm like, well, often what I realize is that actually the reason I'm using this bit of software is because I did a course where they use that software and I enjoy the experience as a user. You get what I'm saying? Same with email. I'll get an email. Any good emails that I get, I save them. Why? So I can use something similar later. If I get a brilliant email that gets me attention and I read it, I'm like, well, it's clearly got my attention. It's clearly held my attention. So what can I learn from it? It's really interesting, the competitor thing, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not spending, I think this can happen to a lot of people that spend all of the time focused on the competitors. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now, you, you've just summed up two bits there. You've summed up listening. Right now, now that, 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 that summed it up perfectly. The guy was, mm. well, you copied it off this person. Well, actually, if you listen to what he said, yeah. regardless of where he copied it from, is he still right? Mm. Yeah, he's mm. still right. So you've, you've missed the point, mate. You, yeah. you completely missed the point. Don't worry, you're not going to have any life in business. I didn't copy I off that. him. I copied I, off him. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> yeah. It's still relevant. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't care where it came from. It does. Does it? Does it actually? Well, I'm sure neither of them invented it either. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but they didn't invent the fucking English language. I've, I've <laughs> That's it. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius. I've mentioned him twice now. If you read anything about him, yeah. 2000 BC. This yeah. dude lived 2000 years ago, and a vast amount of um, philosophy that you see today. A lot of things. He's actually mentioned or skirted around. He's like, it's been the same for two thousand years, man. It's human oh, it's behavior, been, you know, human behavior. And if the, you know, I've invented this, I've invented that. There are some people that do invent specific things, yeah. but you've got to give credit and understand that we're standing on the shoulders. Of a lot of the time, sometimes you know, I'm like, did he invent that or did he just put a name on it? Did he just label it? Exactly. Did do you know what I'm saying? I'm sure people on. have been meditating for years, but nobody called it meditation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure people have been doing high intensity interval training for years, but nobody called it hit. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm sure people have been doing CrossFit for years. But they just didn't call it CrossFit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Circuit training before yeah. that. I'm sure people yeah. did podcast interviews where people talked and they recorded it, yeah. but they didn't call it a podcast. Do you know what I mean? In fact, in the olden days, audiobooks were called tapes. Remember? They yeah, were called tapes. The first thing that I listened to was a Tony Robbins thing called Get the Edge. CDs. I used to carry it around in me portable fucking Walkman. And then now that's an audiobook, really. Do you know what I'm saying? It is. 
All it's just got a different label. They, they, it just it just evolves. It never never revolutionizes. Mm-hmm. Every generation thinks they mm-hmm. invented everything else. Yeah, and that and that's that's the big issue, man. Yeah, that's the big issue. Yeah, really. I've completely gone off topic here. So, so three oh, things: yeah. patience, yes, listening, patience. Uh, th- th- there were two main ones: patience uh, and listening mm-hmm. to, to what's actually happening, and then taking the action with the correct direction. So there's a very there's a very good quote that I'm a big fan of. Action removes all doubt. Hey, Mr. Moore, I wonder where I got that from. Right? right. <laughs> well, I think I got that from Conor McGregor. He said you only exactly. doubt yourself when you're not working. Exactly. How do I stop overthinking? Uh, start doing. Overthinking and underdoing go hand in hand. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to steal that. Underdoing well. and underthinking. You can't underdo and overthink at the same time. So just go. You can't do anything sat on the sidelines, worrying. Right? However, what I've noticed is... You know, what you, I, you know what I think the easiest saying to put around this is all the time is, is I think people just crave this fucking certainty. It's why they stay in jobs that they hate because they think they've got a secure job. I mean, good luck with your secure job. If you're in a secure job, right? This is, this is going to sound really harsh. If you think you're in a secure job, understand that your job relies on somebody else being good at theirs. <laughs> if they're not very good at theirs, you haven't got a job. So there's no fucking security. In, for right now, even the NHS, there's probably no job security. Even in the NHS. So I'm like, well, I think people crave certainty. And I think one of the easiest things to say is, listen, there's only one way to find out, really. People want to guarantee that things are going to be fine. They guarantee that they're not going to be laughed at. And I actually did a training right there. The slides will still be on that TV. We I was talking about this concept of um, a chessboard and your life being like a chessboard. And what people do is they think that the white squares are positive, the black squares are negative, And they spend, they're like, oh, well, if I, what if I land on a black square? Like, actually, the chances of you landing on a black square are the same as you landing on a white square. So what are you going to do? Stay on a white square your whole life and worry about losing the white square? Well, the squares get, the board's going to keep moving for a start because time passes. You know what I mean? The board's moving. you got to move with it. So if you land on a black square, so fuck. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What if it's not a black square at all? Yeah. What, what, what if there's no colours? What if you need to get on that black square to get to a consistent set of Look how many squares. black squares you've stepped over to get to a white square. Exactly. Exactly. And every one of those black squares, I remember every one of them. Yeah. Remember every one of them. Learn those lessons. And guess what? Some of your best traits, you at your best, was only in those moments, really. The best part of me has been formed during my best, not my best times, my worst times. You know what I mean? My strongest characteristics have came and I've developed them and I've forged them in fucking fire. Wow. Literally, man. And that's, that, that is one of the things I was, my, my, my will was galvanized in the forge of fire. Yeah. The reality is, listen, I went through absolutely everything and I went through everything at a very, very young age. Mm-hmm. And I come out of that, right? Life, you ain't got nothing more that you can throw at me. You can't call me anything. You can't do anything <laughs> to me. You can't, you can't touch me, yeah. right? Because I've had it all. I've yeah. had it all. And I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. Right? I, I keep a £20 note in the back of my phone wallet, right? And anybody that un- uh, knows me personally knows what that's for. And that £20 note is because I think and I know I can feed a family of four on noodles and water for a whole week just in case it all comes crashing down. Mm-hmm. Now, we are exceptionally good. We are really good fiduciary management, but I always had that little demon in me head saying, oh, What word did on. you just say there? Fiduciary management. Holy shit. That's the Hang on. Fiduciary management. Fiduciary. That's, fiduciary. Do you know what I thought? Fiduciary. Yes. Fiduciary when you're saying that, that sounds like it's some kind of oral sex act. <laughs> I'm really great at fiduciary management. Wow, really? Is it, it, it your tongue you use or your teeth? Yeah, it means managing money correctly. Ah, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct hey, talk to me about this then. 
Yeah. Talk to me about this. How can we manage our money better? How can you manage your money better? Right, so... Because clearly when you've got a company of your size, you've clearly at various points risked. Mm. I think you got... For me, if you want to build a big successful business, you've got to be very comfortable with risk. Yes. I think... I think this is why a lot of people fail in business because they're <laughs> addicted to certainty and there isn't any. You've so, got to be comfortable. And I've been in business. How long have you been in business for now then? Oh, mate, since 2003. So that's yeah, so. 18 years. So I'm in a 20 year, 20 year self employed. To be honest, it's actually longer. It was 2001. I started my start. So 20 years as well. Yeah, 20 so 20 years, years as well. You think about this 20 years. And I'm like, you know what? The, the biggest thing I think we can talk about resilience, we can talk about patience, we can talk about listening, we can talk about consistency. But I think the number one thing you've got to be able to handle is uncertainty. Uncertainty is such a, and this is why people don't, again, stay in jobs they hate, stay in relationships they hate, stay feeling like shit, even though they're complaining about it all the time, is because they're at least are certain. But they're actually, it's the illusion of certainty. There is no certainty. The only thing that's certain is, is that you're going to die. The yeah. only thing that's certain is uncertainty. Yeah. You don't know what is coming. Mm -hmm. you, you might think you got it unlocked, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. So you need to not be comfortable. The only thing that I'm certain about is that I can handle uncertainty. That's it. Yeah, and that's I think the more uncertainty you can handle, the more successful you'll be. Yeah, you get, you get, you get that. You get that. Is it gonna work? I don't know. <laughs> are people gonna buy? I don't know. Are people gonna like this podcast? I don't know. Are a thousand people gonna come to the theatre? I don't know. Am I gonna shit myself on stage? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is something gonna go wrong? I don't know. But I tell you what, you did. You did action, didn't you? You went out and did it. I, I thought it was only one way to find out. And sometimes out. I need a push. When I first saw about this show, I was like, oh, we'll just book a, you know what, normally, people who do what I do, normally they'll hire a hotel boardroom mm. or a hotel conference room. Go bigger, go And my on, agent man. just said to me, that's what he said to me, he said, I'm not doing Paul Moore to the Marriott. He Can said, you if you think I'm, a, he said, I'm not doing that. He said, and the next thing I know, he's booked a theatre and I'm like, what the fuck? So I wouldn't have done it. No shit, I wouldn't have done it unless I got that little, little push into, into uncertainty again. Yeah. When it's mad, isn't it? The first time, I, I thought, actually, it's not going to be big enough. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely thought, it's not nah. going to be big enough. Really? It's not going to be big enough. I was like, because when you see some of the others, and this is no disrespect mm -hmm. to some of the others, because the others are great. Mm -hmm. I'm not mentioning names or anything. I'm just looking at it. And I'm thinking, Paul Mort literally wipes the floor <laughs> every one of you. <laughs> Thank like, you, You know mate. what I mean? And you're like, oh, my yeah. God. And you're like, you, you should be, it, like, to me personally, you should be in the Middleton level. You know what I mean? That, that, that that's what you should be aiming for mm. now because of the message that you sell and, and, and yeah. what you actually what just you got actually to get that print. profile up. I get asked about it all the yeah. time when when you come to my town. I'm like, mate, I'd love to come to every town. I'd love to come to Akron. And the reality is, my profile's not big enough right now. And people might, oh well, that's defeatist. I'm like, well, the reality is, I can get a thousand people in Newcastle. If I put up a Birmingham show, would I get a thousand? I wouldn't get anywhere near. You're building that foundation. I am building that foundation. And that's it. And sooner or later, and everybody will go, the overnight success that yeah. was Paul Moore, and you're still going, I've been here for 25 Fucking years. Hell. I've posted thousands of videos, and it's mad. You know me next week in gigs in Puerto Rico, which <laughs> is mad. I finished the Newcastle thing, and someone said, would you, we'd love to come, we'd love you to come and speak at this event in Puerto Rico. We'll pay you to come out first class and that. I'm like, they're like, do you want to do it? I was like, <laughs> do I want to do it? What can I do it tomorrow? Fucking yeah. hell, I Madness. So, Heath. Right. So how can so you manage want, your money more? You, you yes, how want to manage our money better? Right. So, okay, you've, you've, you've got the the usual stuff like the four main steps. Yeah. You know, like people like Cardone, like actually yeah. earned income should buy you assets, and assets is passive income, and so on and so forth. Mm. Right. Right. In this day and age, there's something that you really need to get through to people um, of this generation. Mm -hmm. They have not known high interest rates. Mm -hmm. Right. My my honest piece of advice is any earned income you have now, use it to pay off any debt that you have. Yeah. Right. So going forwards from here, taxes are only going to go up. Oh, mate. 
Prices are only going to go I was up. talking to my accountant, so my, my best friend who I was in Dubai with, or one of my best friends, he's also my accountant, and he was saying they're having a nightmare now with all these people that have taken loans, taken bounce yeah. back loan, lied about their income so they could get more, and now suddenly they're having to pay them back. Yeah, so HMRC will take I know some people that in. I know some people that took that bounce back loan and had no intention of paying it back. They lied about their income so they could get more money. No intention of paying it back, and now it's coming back to bite them on the arse, and they're now complaining they about the tax bill. And so on and so forth. I was like, where do you, get, where do you think they got that fucking money from? I'm like, how do you think they're going to get it back? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, sooner or later, you pay the, pay the piper, and that's for fiduciary yes. management. So the first thing is, number one, right now, if you can, if you've got any ancillary debt, pay off that debt or make sure it's locked into a very low interest element. The next one is, if you want to go forwards in this life, it's about, it's about mitigating that risk. So you're gonna, you, you need to take a risk, right? You are not going to get anywhere in a comfort zone. You're not, right? So number one, get uncomfy. Feel okay being uncomfortable. And it's okay to have low risk. It's okay, right? It's, it's, it's massively okay to have low risk. But here's yeah. the thing. You look at something and it will be risk level 10, yeah. right? You can actually do things in your life to bring that risk down to level five. So you don't look at it and think that's a risk level 10. Look at it and think that's a risk level 10. But if I do X and Y, that will bring it down to a risk level five. Yes. So I'll give you an example. We bought Moorside House where we actually live and operate the business from our HQ. Mm-hmm. And that became because we were looking at offices because we needed to expand. We were like, right, we need to expand. We went and looked at the offices and so on and so forth, blah, 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 blah. And they were like triple what the mortgage was for Moorside House. And Kelly actually said that. She said, this is like triple what you'd pay for something like Moorside House. And we're like, hold on a second. Yeah. And that was when the penny drops. Actually, let's go and have a look at Moorside House. And it turns out there was lots of offices that were off, like a flat that could be used as offices and so on and so forth. We were like, actually, this is perfect, so on and so forth. It's like, well, actually, that's a really risky endeavor. Mm. You know, like, what about the roof? What about the cellar and all this type of stuff? What about the paperwork? Well, actually, so that's a risk level 10, right? Actually, we know a really good roofer. Actually, we know a really good solicitor. Mm. Actually, we're okay and we're young enough to do this Mm. and do all the groundwork and all the rest of it. So Mm. that became like a risk level five. And then it was a case of we either do this now Mm. because next year this house is going to be worth an absolute fortune or you don't do it, but you have to be, and th- th- this, this is the bit that's missing from everyone's decision point. So you have that decision point of whether you do it now. When, did you, it when now. did you take that on? 2015. 2015. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have that decision point of whether you do it or whether you don't. Right? Now, what everybody forgets to mitigate into that is the final decision of you have to be comfortable with your thoughts and feelings if you don't do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So suddenly when you take that into consideration and you think, well, we stay here and all the rest of it, what happens? Well, this could go wrong and, would you always wonder what if, mm. so on and so forth. And when you factor that in, actually, a risk level five isn't really much of a risk because you'll make it work. Yeah, I've, I've I think that about decisions say. all the time, you know, Heath. I think about decisions. Like, how do I know I'm making the right decision? I'm like, you don't until you do. But even then, you you got to think about that. Right is just a perception. Being right or wrong is a perception, right? So I can make any decision that I have made right, any. Even the ones where at the time I'm like, what the fuck have I done? I can make it right now. Like, I can look at it and be like, actually, that had payoffs and benefits for everybody. Any des- I can make any decision. That's why I don't worry about decisions too much. An- I-, I never really sit on decisions very long. If I say yes, I say yes. If I say no, I can make, pulse the decision, everything right. It's kind of like we're asking the question at the wrong time. We're trying to get the answer before we've made the decision. You can only get it after. <laughs> you know well, what I'm saying? When you, get to, when you get to our levels in business, yeah. you know, you're, you're experiencing the same thing. They're known as wicked problems. What they are is they, they do not have a defined... I love that saying. End. Wicked, did you say? Wicked problems. I love that's that. That's called. That's actually the name of them, the wicked problems. Yeah. They don't have a defined start and, and here's a, You know the cool thing about wicked? That's got two connotations. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's fucking wicked, <laughs> Dad. 
And some, you know, like the word sick. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm reading a book right now, right? And I, I didn't like this part. And it was by your man, Robin Sharma, right? I quite like Robin Sharma's stuff. He's, he's apart from his 5 a.m. club. Fuck that. <laughs> That's not for me. And, and, he, and he's talking about this thing about language and he's saying, oh, you should never use the word sick. I'm like, well, I think that he's like, oh, it's negative language. I'm like, I don't think it is. It's the same with the word wicked, right? It's a double-edged sword. It is. I think, oh, that's sick. And some people, that's sick. You know, it's the same mindset. with wicked. I, I love that. I love that saying. Because <laughs> again, you think about that, it's a perception. Yeah. Wicked, it's my imagination, actually. Wicked is a word. My imagination decides what it means. Yeah. I love it. Sorry, mate. Oh, I wicked. you. I've never heard it before. So when you're in our levels of business, a wicked problem is a problem that doesn't have a defined start and end, and the solution will both be positive and negative. <laughs> That's so you'll ironic. do something and you'll get these these will be the benefits, but these are the downsides. Like, oh, what the, well, it was also and I don't think the there's a se- level, I don't think there's a single thing in life where there's only benefits. Yeah, it gets gets bigger and it gets harder. No positive without a negative. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've known with scaling the business. When we first started out with twelve people, right? Well, we first we started out with two. We went to twelve, right? You all sit around the table. What you don't realise is there's one percent of friction for all of those twelve people. That's actually twelve percent, mm. right? So that was always there, but you didn't realise it because it wasn't big enough. Now, when you go to fifty, there's one percent of friction between. The tw- now there's fifty percent friction. <laughs> now you can see it, and you're like, "What happened?" And, and you can actually, feel it. You can feel, you can feel it. it. Actually, nothing's happened. It was always there. You just couldn't see it, and now you're now you're playing at a bigger level. Yeah. Do you know what Heath? I notice this now with. The thing about the size of my business now and the amount of people that we're working with, I'm like, fucking hell, this group are this, this group are that. There's more people leaving, there's people not paying that. And and we're like, actually, no, it's just the volume of people. The percentage, our percentage is lower. <laughs> so everyone's like, oh, more people are not doing this. And, and they're like, actually, the percentage is lower because the volume's greater. Yeah. So we're like, oh, I'm getting more shit than normal. And that's because you've got fucking 15,000 more followers than you had last year, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a it's a really interesting dynamic that yeah, and I think that actually, and and you can give me your thoughts on this. That would be amazing. Is I think that to be successful in business, one of the biggest things you've got to be able to do is, and actually, I think successful in any area of life, you've got to just be good at dealing with people and your thoughts about people. So somebody asked me the question the other day: Is it possible to grow a social media, grow a business, grow a coaching business without social media? And I'm like, well, it is, but I'd be asking why. What's my problem with social media? And it actually, it's not social media that's the problem. It's you don't like it's people that are the problem because that's what social media is. It's people, and I'm like, what you can't build is a successful coaching company if you can't deal with people because they are number one asset. Exactly. And the number one challenge you got to think about that your business, the number one asset apart from you, isn't your clients, really. It's the people. It's, staff. it's, my it's people. the people. Yeah. yeah. Massively yeah. open about that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, and it's people out there go, oh, I don't, I don't do people and this yeah. and the other. Well, maybe you should be in a different job, mate, because there's two things that you always have to be in business. A people person, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to be. Yeah. And the second thing is you're a salesman. <laughs> people hear that. People hear They'll be, oh, I hate sales. You, no, I don't no, hate no, sales. You, you, you hate the prospect of being rejected. Yeah, there's a reason why I'm sat here yeah. with some down logo time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all the rest. I am, you, you actually do sell your brand and yourself and what you're about, and mm-hmm. people buy into those stories. You can have as many stats as you want, yeah. but it's actually the stories that people buy into. Yeah. And I think that, do you, know, do you know, Heath, and this is something that I discovered, I mean, I hated people so much that I moved to another country because I hated people so much. The reality was there was always one common denominator in amongst all those people. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, I, yourself, was, didn't you? I hated myself, yeah. and I think that's the case for a lot of people. You don't hate people, you hate yourself. You hate yourself around people. You hate what people might be thinking about. You hate worrying about that. It's so it's easier to isolate yourself. And this hard is, lens. Hard yeah, lens it is. And as an entrepreneur, 
as an entrepreneur, it becomes one of the things. You're always like, oh, well, people, because not everyone, su- not, I bet, and not everyone supported all the decisions you've made either, right? Oh, absolutely not. No. And that's what, so then then we start blaming the people. Oh, well, they should be supporting me. They should be on my side. And that's when we start, oh, well, fuck people. I'm going to do, you know what I mean? It's a, for me, it's one of the biggest challenges in, in society right now is that people don't know how to handle other people. They expect them from everybody else. They expect everyone to have the same beliefs, the same opinions, the same behaviors, the same, like the same TV shows, to believe the same, to, to watch the same news channels as them. Do you know what I mean? I think that's one of the biggest challenges right now. And as a business owner, you, you really haven't got the option of just isolating yourself. No, you can't. You, you've got to be out there. Businesses are people, right? They are, mate. They are. They're, they're, they're absolutely. And, and when you get to that higher level, right, things start to change dramatically. And now, now, when you get into that, and the, this is the conversation around the multipliers, when you, when you get into that higher level, mm-hmm. in order to grow and be successful at the highest level, you must give up control. <laughs> Not lose control, you must give up control. Yeah. The weirdest thing for me is when we grew Sundown to the to this point and I was no longer... It's uncertainty again, I isn't was, it? Yeah, I was no longer the owner-operator. Mm. Because you become a shareholder with the major share partners. That, that, that There's now five of them. The weirdest thing for me was reporting to somebody else about decisions I've made in my business. Mm-hmm. And technically, I'm still the CEO, but I am now responsible to these other people as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a different level in dynamic, but that dynamic fuels you like rocket fuel. There's a, there's a quote from Game of Thrones that I do like, and I, I stick by it as a mantra, right? If you have to tell somebody you're the king, yeah. you're not the king. Nice. Right? Nice. And that was it. And, and, and it took me to a new I level. thought you were going to say, when you play the Game of Thrones, <laughs> <laughs> you die. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not, we're not there yet. That'll be next week, probably. There'll be a vote. That's when the next here. lockdown. <laughs> but if you have to go to constantly around reminding people that you're the boss or you're yes. the CEO and all the rest of it, you're yeah. not the CEO, mate. You're not. Mm. What you, your actions define what you do, right? Mm. And people are asking you questions and they're challenging things, right? Because maybe you've got it wrong. That's and you where step the growth go, is, man. Yeah. Exactly. You step back and go, actually, you bring great people in. You, you pull them in. You, you, you put this team together. And then you're not going to listen to them? Mm. Nah. Nah, yeah. mate. Nah, nah, nah. Well, every successful entrepreneur in the world would be like, actually, you've got to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I look at some of my guys that are in the company now, and I'm like, he's better than me at this. Yeah. They're better than me at that. She's better than me yeah. at this. And I'm beautiful at that. And I'm like, Brilliant. And some of the things you just won't see either. There are things happening inside of there's pro- there's, Put this in now. There's three people in there now. Mm. And they'll be doing shit that I'll never know about. But who the the but people other people know about it, clients will know about it, prospects will know things about it. You know, I didn't know this was happening by the way. I want my idea. So he's got a gift off us, an elite X gift. There's another I think there's two in there actually. You might have another one. Just in case you need that, there you go. Don't open it. Um, (laughs) It's called Mr. Perfect. (laughs) It's a double ender. (laughs) Um, but I didn't know about that. Because that's not, I can't do, we can't do everything. We can't be involved with everything. They call that micromanaging, right? Yeah, correct. No, I, I had a very... What, do you, what would be your biggest tip for that then? Like, Because there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are like, maybe a one-man band. Maybe they start hiring VAs or PAs, two or three people, and they're like, I just can't let go of control. I just don't trust anybody. Oh, mate. This, this is where I, I get old of them now, and I'm saying, right, maybe the top level isn't for you. Now that will trigger them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Sit down with them and say, right. And I think that's okay, you know. I think sometimes it's okay to admit that. Do you know what? I don't want that. 
Do you know, what? I, I'm okay with not having that business. Like, there's a few guys who I work with who I'm in a mastermind with. They're like, Paul, imagine if you did sales calls all the time. Imagine if you had a sales team. I'm like, that just doesn't fit with. Imagine buying a book from me, my book about mental health, and then someone calling you saying, hey, have you thought about buying this program? <laughs> just doesn't fit with me right now. And I'm okay with doing less money because we. Do, I'm not saying we're never going to do it, but I'm just saying right now it just doesn't fit with me. And I'm okay with saying, it's like I'm okay with not having a six pack. Yeah. I wouldn't mind one, but I'm okay with not having one so because I'm not. So I'm, I'm, fine, I'm, fine I'm just it. okay <laughs> with saying, do you know what? I'm not willing to be that strict. Yeah. If I, if you really wanted it, then that's fine to go with it. And and if and if you're at those levels of businesses where you're, yeah. and I, I use the term one man band, and I'm going to change that term. If you're a small or micro business operator, yeah, a sole trader, a sole trader, yeah. or micro or small, and mm-hmm. you want to stay at that level, that's fine. But if you want to grow, have your end growth in strat- uh, strategy already defined. If you want to be a multimillionaire and you want to buy out, you need to start thinking about it now because it's going to take you 10 to 15 You can't do years. any of that on your own. You can't do any of it on your own. None of it. And, and sooner or later, you're going to have to bring expertise in. You're going to have to give up control and you're going to have to understand that these people sit in your blind spots. Now, that's the key thing I'd say to anybody. If you're going to, if you're going to build a business, bring people in that complement your blind spot. So the first yeah. thing you've got to do is understand your blind spot. Yeah. Right? If you can't understand your blind spot, you're not going to get to the top level. Yeah. Right? And if, you, if you're one of these people that sit there and go, I've not got a blind spot, right, okay, you're going to be a small business friend. I, I think, do you, know, do you know what I think you've got to do is, and I learned this, who did I learn? I can't remember who I learned this from, but it's like, if I want to run a, an eight-figure business, I've got to do what an eight-figure business person runs. And wasn't them even a seven figure? Let's just say you want to go from let's just say you want to go from fifty to fifty grand a year to six figure business. You've got to do what a six figure business owner does, and a six figure business owner ain't doing everything himself. A seven figure business certainly isn't doing everything himself, and he certainly had to relinquish some level of trust. You know what I think about trust, actually, Heath? I think, and I think about this a fair amount about this trust thing because I've dealt with it. I've run into it. I deal with a lot of people who have this problem. Even if it's with their partner, I don't trust my partner. I don't trust my parents. I don't trust anyone to look after my kids. I'm like, actually, I think that it's not other people you don't trust. I think it's you that you don't trust. Like I trust people because I trust myself to be able to handle however they behave. However they react, whatever they get wrong or right, I'm, I trust myself to be able to handle it. So I actually think that most people's trust issues is that they don't trust themselves to be able to deal with it in an emotionally mature way. Correct. Well, do, yeah. you, do, you want, do you want a tip to get over that? Uh, what is it? Right, from somebody that inherently doesn't trust. Yeah. Trust, but verify. Okay. Right, so. That is definitely, I feel like I'm ticking one of those boxes. Trust, but verify. Verify, do you know what I feel right. like? We've talked about this before. We have, mate. You know those yeah. forms where you tick the traffic lights? <laughs> yeah. Which, click all the boxes <laughs> of the traffic lights. Well, are we going on to this at we any are, point? Yeah, so yeah, tell me about trust, but verify. Trust, but verify, right. So you have a problem trusting, mm-hmm. okay? I'm going to bring this person in, and I'm going to get up to do this, but can I trust them? Well, actually, the worst thing you can do is bring up people in and tell them what to do. Yeah. yeah? Yes. However... Or- you then get involved in micromanaging. Yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't do it that way. Well, guess what? This person's in here in your blind spot. And that's why it's a blind spot, because you don't know what they know. Yeah. So you need to take a step back from that, but you can't because you don't trust them. Yeah. So what you do is, rather than that, is you set a set of KPIs that can be measured. That's exactly right? what we do. Come in and go, right, person A, you need to hit 21 sales within six months, right, of this scale caliber of customer, and we'll have a checkpoint every month you have a direct line to me every week where mm-hmm. we have a 30-minute face-to-face mm-hmm. and we review your KPIs and yes. you can explain to me. So now you come to me. So I'm trusting you, but I'm verifying you all down the track. Amazing. I love it. And I, and I also think that we, we talk about this in our team as well. There's actually, I think, that a lot of people hire and then they complain that the person's just showing up and doing their job, but they haven't given them any targets. So how can they feel good about coming to work? 
There's nothing for them. And I hate the dunker. You can't give them any acknowledgement other than good job. So guess what they're going to do? Good job. What do you expect There's, from them? Yeah. What did you expect? Right, so... What do you and I think this is the difference between actually what you said is 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 that we expect them to do more, be more, perform more, but we actually don't give them a benchmark to hit. And I think that benchmarks and what you've said there is verifying them is actually coming to an agreement versus just everyone having expectations. Do you know what I mean? Like an agreement is, here are your targets. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even give a fuck how we hit them. Just hit them. Yeah. If you can't hit them, come to me and we'll work out our plan. If you are hitting them, I'm cool. As long as it's legal and above board. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? So we Hit have a target them. of, Mac, for example, has got a target for this quarter, 15,000 new leads. I don't care how many ads he has to run. I don't care what he runs the ads to. I don't care how he gets the email addresses, as long as it's legal and above board and people have asked for it. I don't care which what he gives away for free, whether it's that book, this book, that book. I don't care which videos he uses of mine, as long as he gets the 15,000 leads. Yeah, man. And, and of course, they're in a, they're in a budget, because I'm not... You know what I mean? I'm not going to spend 150 yeah. grand to get 15,000. Set the parameters. Yeah. Yeah? Do not argue if you have not set KPIs. And yeah. not agreements. Set parameters. You know what agreements, I mean? Yeah. Agreements, yeah. Agreements in and around those businesses. And then it's really clear. Communication's great. Yeah. And it's not just based on what I expected you to do better, where you didn't tell me that I didn't know what better was. And then also understand that we're not hiring you. <laughs> Fuck me! Right. How many I'm times glad. have you done that? You brought a number, you brought a person in, never, and you've expected that, that, those that could never happen. I've done it many times. Have I've you? This guy. Oh, I brought him in. I brought this person in. Imagine me hiring another there. version of me. Oh man, be fucking be, fireworks! You'd be fighting within thirty minutes. <laughs> Funny <laughs> enough. <laughs> Funny enough. Bit when we first hired Mark, I remember having the conversation with Leslie, my coach at the time, Nicky V, and Leslie was like, "Do you know why you want to hire him? Because he's like you." I'm like, "Well, maybe." So Nicky V did like a, um, I think it was called a disc assessment, something like that. And she said, actually, he's got part of you, but he also has this other part of him, which is steadiness and calm. You notice that about me? I've never seen him stressed. Yeah. Never. Cool cucumber. Cool cucumber. Steady. Steady. I don't have steady. I don't have steady. I think <laughs> really? I was high you influence know. and high... Uh, what high was influence, high energy, high octane. Never. High, yeah, high everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, was influence. What else was it as well as... Influence and C was the last one. What's C? What's a high C? Uh, confidence. No. Is it uh, something charisma? Like something? I don't know. We're, we're Cunt. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, sorry there's, mom. There's, there's many sorry, of my mum will actually be listening, which is the mad part. <laughs> she listens to all my podcasts, which is great, but also terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've been very well behaved. So that's okay. I have, haven't I? Yeah. It's took me, what's the time now? It is. Uh, How long have we been going? I don't, I don't five know. Five to one? Oh, no, five to twelve. Five to twelve. Yeah, we've been going there uh, quite a long time, yeah, and I've, know, it's took me a long time to say the word "con." <laughs> yeah, a new record. So Heath, one thing I wanted to ask you, which is highlighted here, is what's it like working with your wife? I mean, I know what it's like. We've actually yeah. done a podcast on it, mate. Do you know the most popular podcast, the one that I get the most feedback on, are the ones that I do with Leslie. Because people are like, how the fuck does she deal with you? So what's it like dealing with your wife? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should be on your train. How is it working? <laughs> she has. How is it working with your wife? How do you um, keep that dynamic going? Brilliant. Um, they, so between, between the hours of nine and five, we mm -hmm. are not man and wife. Okay? And that's something that we managed to establish a good two and a half years ago yeah. when we went through the, what, we, what we termed the troubles, right? Um, so we work exceptionally well. Now, I'm, I'm very... I'm very lucky and fortunate that my wife is a fantastic chief operating officer. Mm. Uh, she's one of the best in the business. Mm. Um, if somebody come in to purchase her off, um, they couldn't afford her. 
simply because of what she does and how she operates and how she's built as well. Because she's been the same journey. Yeah. Uh, do you have quite different characteristics? We do. Yeah. yeah. Massive. We have a we complete have well. yin and yang. A really? Yin and yang. Yeah. And believe you me. And you think that's part of why it works so well? Oh yeah, massively, massively. She deals with everything non-tech. So she does all operations. Yeah. So she deals with everything non-tech. Yeah. I generally deal with everything that is tech. Yes. Right? Um, and we, we've had our set twos over the years and all the rest of it. Of course we have, yeah. But that's helped us iron out on that respect piece. Yeah. The, there was a key point where Kelly's, she, as we started to grow, um, there started to be more and more in operations. People need watering and feeding, mate. Mm. When, when you've got more and more people, that, that, that takes more effort and more yeah. effort. And as you start yeah. to get into the big bit, it, it becomes bigger. Yeah. So I start, tr- I start tromping around and all the rest of it. And um, we call it a heath huff. Right, he's having a huff, stamping around <laughs> like the bloody Gruffalo, where we're slamming doors and all the rest of it. Yeah. And about a couple of years ago, we had we had, we had this element where, and and I am very ashamed to say it, I respect my wife massively mm-hmm. as my wife. Mm-hmm. I think she's the best uh, mother to mm-hmm. our children. Mm-hmm. I respected her massively, and now I thought, I thought I respected her in business. Yeah. Right. But I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't. I know. I know now. Looking back, I was not. You yeah. know what I mean? I wasn't respectful for what she did and what she brought to the company. About two and a half years ago, we had like a big ding dong, and I was like, oh, 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 you know, right, that's it. It's not good enough. I'm gonna I remember. KPI manager. And I remember. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. We're gonna pull you in. We're gonna do this, mate. Paul, guess what I've done? I was like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. This ain't gonna be great. This ain't gonna be great. Um, so she was cool as a cucumber, and she just turned around and went. She went, okay. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'll take a couple of days off. I'm gonna think about this. And I was like, fine. <laughs> Go on then. Fine, fine. Right, fine. Right. Oh my god. Right. Literally, poo fell out of the sky. Right. Mm-hmm. Honestly, anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Like, well, okay, does this go? I actually had one of our customers phoning us up after three days. Right, saying, "Hey, mate, what's going on at sundown?" I was like, "Now," I said, "Well, there's fucking something going on, and you better fucking fix it because this is really bad." Like, blah, 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 and he was like raging, and this is like a guy that's a close personal friend. I was like, "What?" And literally, everybody, everything fell out. I would come back down, says, and I was like, Kelly, look, I'm so sorry. Like, this is on me. And this is me not respecting you yeah. and your ability here to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and in my mind, I had to actually apologize because when you when you think you're the, you're the boss or you perceive you're the boss, you think everybody's below you. Yeah. Bloody well wasn't. Yeah. And she isn't. She's, yeah. she's, she's bang there. Yeah. Yeah. You, know what, you know what her response was? I'll have another day. I'll come back in another one. Uh, like, yeah. At she's this like, point, yeah. he's gone on his like, knees. <laughs> I was like, just tell me how to do this one thing. Shit, really? Right? Uh, and she just stepped back in, cool as a cucumber, blah, 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 and it's exactly what, what was needed. Yeah. Um, yeah, she just turned around and said, well... Yeah. We had this in the summer, man, when I was struggling with that long COVID thing really bad. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I don't need to do it. Yeah. I've built something that I can't handle. Obviously, it was just my state at the time. I built something I can't handle. I fucking hate it. I'm, I've sacrificed it. I, I feel like I'm sacrificing my health to just put on these events that I promised it. All this kind of stuff, I was going through that. And she was like, well, all right then, I'm out because I'm sick of hearing you fucking complain about it. And I went, oh, well, maybe we'll yeah, have a talk about this. I'm laughing because yeah. I know it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, She's like, all right that then. feeling, you're like, right, oh then. my God. She's almost like, all right then. Because you're blaming me for things that you've done. Yeah. And I'm not. So we, uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. Like me and Leslie are totally opposite. She's a big picture thing. I'm a, what am I doing today? Thinker. She's Come a big planner. Yeah. yeah. What do you What do you think some of the keys are then to making it work? Uh, Apart from no, brown nosing. Uh, well, no, man. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that helps a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Respect. Right? Yeah. And, and and I say that as a man that's gone through it. And how do yeah. you show that? Demonstrate that? 
express that. I appreciate what she's doing from a business point of view. Yes. By ensuring that I that I mentally make note of what is happening in her tower, what she's doing, what the requests are, mm-hmm. both left and right, and then up to me as well, mm-hmm. right? And then respecting just how physically demanding and how hard that role is and everything that they actually do. Yeah. And basically just giving them the juice that they need because if yeah. the rest of the company sees me turning around to Ops and saying, right, Ops, you can do X and Y, you need this, this and this, you have a fallback in that gives them the power to work and operate correctly as well because it's very easy for operations to slip underneath because mm-hmm. they do everything for yes. everybody. Yes. You know? And and it was those types of elements. And, and if you probably noticed or followed us on LinkedIn, social media, Kelly's coming more to the fray now yeah. as her own entity. Yes. Because, and that, that was a conscious decision two years ago to say, actually, you're a bloody cracking COO. I couldn't, if I went yeah. out to market now, I couldn't afford Sometimes she'll, or inside of the business, it, I suppose it would be easier for her to feel like Heath's wife. I know Leslie's cracking. definitely felt like that, especially when we're at events and that, or your Paul's wife. Cracking. Do you know what I'm saying? A new employee started with us yeah. four months ago. You know, how, you know how I was introduced? How? Kelly's husband. Really? Honestly, that's mate. Like, remain, that's yeah, cool right. as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Kelly's husband. Yeah, that's cool. Right, and I was like, yeah, actually, it's working. Like yeah. Everybody's understanding now. We're on parity across yeah. the whole board. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, actually, the, the respect is there. Yeah. It's great. You yeah. know, it's nice. Sick. I love it. Uh, a couple more questions before we go. Um, what do you think about mashed potato? Oh, mate. Now, I, I, w- I was in the anti-mashed potato camp. Right? I was like... Oh, okay. don't tell us. Then you had some with truffle in and... No, 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 no. Went down to that real Gordon Ramsay. Oh! Did you have it with a welly? I didn't. No, no, no. It was just on the side. I was like, what's that? It's a little bit of mash. And yeah. I was like, that. I was like... <gasps> yeah. You know what I mean? I was like... I've, I've had it. Yeah, I've had it. S- Dunning, what that like. was is butter with potato. Yeah, that's why it's delicious. Butter and cream and a so bit of truffle that. with <laughs> potato. And what are you saying about cheesecake? This is my new one. I've been on a rant. I'm get, honestly, I'm getting attacked right now. What's your problem with cheesecake? I was like, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said I think it's incredibly overrated. I, I really like cheesecake, but I must admit, right, I'm not really sure the amount of calories in it. Right? Thousand a slice. And you're like, that is nah. just, oh, come on. Sugary man. cheese on a secondhand biscuit. <laughs> Tell me you know I'm wrong. I mean? like, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. You, you look at that and you go, actually, that is not worth it. No, you know, no, it's nice. You know, it's it's, it's nice, and you can. The only time I'd eat that if I was fucking really hungover, which has been a long time since that. That's when I'd eat it if I was really hungover and I just didn't give a fuck about wanting me or in my mouth. I'm not sure cheesecake could get up there for me to be honest. Nah, no, no, would it not? No, 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 no. See, overrated. You don't eat it if you're giving it. Yeah, maybe a KFC. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. KFC in there, maybe a zinger. Tower, but that, 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 that'd do it for me. Yeah. Well, uh, he, listen, this has been fucking sick. <laughs> sick, mate. I've had a blast. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. You know what we're talking about yesterday. I was like, Heath, what do you want to talk about? Because a lot of places we could go. Where can um, everybody find out more about you personally and what your company does? Well, it's easy. Just uh, nip over to LinkedIn and just uh, give a search for Heath Groves. I'm pretty sure there's not many of us out there. Yeah, you'll see that. And then right, that's Sundown right. Solutions as well. And that's like linked to the website and everything else in there. Actually, do you know what? Before we go, I want to know about the yellow bracelet. Yeah. Let's, yeah, we'll go into another 10 minutes here. Oh, yeah, we've easy. easy got into another 10 minutes. Easy. So talk to us about, because I remember this only came about really last year, wasn't it? It was, Start yeah. of last year. Yeah. And we were like, Jesus, this is pretty fucking cool. Talk to me about the yeah. yellow bracelet. So, so It's not the fucking Lance Armstrong thing. It is not the Lance That Armstrong everyone had. Thing. No, no, no. Nothing to do with Lance Armstrong. So the reality is the yellow bracelet allows healthcare professionals to scam a yellow bracelet from an elderly frail person that has a care package. Mm-hmm. So you imagine somebody has a care package, uh, they have social care workers, that are, they have a social care package, 
they then get admitted to hospital. They mm. can sometimes get um, not lost in the system, but they can be overwhelmed by the system. And doctors and nurses are under a lot of pressure, so on and so forth. So essentially, a doctor or nurse, a clinical professional, can scan that yellow bracelet and get yeah. immediate contact with that person's next of kin, that carer, so on yeah. and so forth. And and that's so a little bit like they're chipped, but they're deciding to be. No, we don't. We don't use the word chips. They they completely <laughs> opt in. Right? It's completely anonymous. Yes. Thanks for that. Paul. Yes. <laughs> we are not chipping people. It's permission based. <laughs> permission based. B- permission based. Band. Band. Yeah, for people that genuinely need it. Yes. Now, now most people say, "Oh, well, there's loads of things." Not really. Mm. So it's like, well, you put ice numbers in your phone and this, that, and the other. Great. How'd you get into their phone? Mm. You know, it's all this type of thing. And, yeah. and okay, how do you know it's a clinical healthcare professional that's actually looking at this data? So yes. it's all those finite things that the yellow bracelet uh, yes. completely um, sorts out as well. And a lot of them might not even have a phone that is that level of technology. Yeah, but yeah. bear in mind, you're dealing with people that are elder fail that may have dementia, that may have other complex cases. Yeah. And so forth. You've had people that's something collapsed. that they can't really forget. Exactly. Yeah. They may have people that have collapsed. And the simple fact is that you don't need to need to be in a hospital setting for it to be used. Actually, it might be a district nurse or it might be an ambulance driver that turns up and just wants to call your son. Mm-hmm. Scans the yellow bracelet, calls your son and says, uh, hiya, mate, uh, your dad's feeling a bit off. And, all oh, right, do you want to come around and sit with him for an hour so I don't have to convey him to hospital? Therefore, yeah. he doesn't need to go to hospital. Yes. But if you don't have that information to hand yeah. there and then, at the right point, it, it becomes it becomes an issue. Yeah. And everything that we can do at the moment to save efficiencies for the NHS mm-hmm. and the rest of the nation is, is definitely something. Yeah. And that's one of the products that we meant. Remember before I said we had services, support, and products? That's one of our biggest products. That we out I love it. And it's uh, we're, we're starting to push on with that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See. Really starting to get traction in all, all the other areas. Yeah. Because everybody looks at that with the initial pit and goes, oh, we've already got that. And then it's only after time when they realise that there's all of these use cases that it doesn't cover where you come to the yellow bracelet and go, yes. actually, that is the only way. Yeah. It's completely inert. There's no battery or anything like that. It's just a normal yellow bracelet. Yeah. We do all the heavy lifting at the back end. Yeah, sick. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. it, it's really fine and it's groovy. Sick. I love it. Amazing. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the uh, Paul Moore Talks Shit uh, Persuasion, uh, <laughs> Today, we've been joined talking shit with Mr. Heath Groves. Make sure you go check him out on LinkedIn. Make sure you go check out the yellow bracelet and make sure you go check out Sundown Solutions, not Sundown Problems. Thank you, Heath. Thanks, Paul. Great to see you, mate. See you in a bit.